Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Say Things episode 186, sponsored by Manscaped. Hmm. Cue dramatic sounds. This is a public service announcement. Manscaped now has beard products and now a brand new nose and ear hair trimmer. If you haven't already heard, the leaders in below the waist grooming are traveling north of your South Pole with their revolutionary Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Plus, they've now launched the brand new Weed Whacker 2.0, which confirms they have all the best tools for your hygiene toolbox. Time for you to upgrade your toolbox by going to manscaped.com and using the We Say Things promo code for 20% off and free shipping. Boy, they're updating their products quite fast. The the Weed Whacker, we were just talking about that being a new product last year, and they've come out with 2.0 already, Cinderin. Yeah, and Valve could... uh patch this off and that would be great yeah we'll get to that one but yeah. yeah thanks as always to manscaped for continuing to fund this podcast remember guys go to manscaped.com with promo code we say thanks for 20 percent off and free shipping they have a ton of awesome products speaking of awesome things Agreed. in life mm. in bruised here patreon patrons thank you to bakewell hunter Zeno, Fork, and Bob love jelly very much. The fuck does that mean? That was one person, by the way, not four. That's correct. <laughs> T. Coyle, newly minted Jabs fan. Would love to hear him on the podcast. The situation was scary and he did great. Q. Ludes is happy to have some... Let me start that. Q. Ludes is happy to have had some Suns fan and Cinder and cast again. Stupid co-pilot, D2 Bowie, servant of Morgoth. Yatoro does it again, Cinderin. I'll only do this once. That's a lie. Silly ad, Addy McAd, Daddy ad, Santa's ballsack ad, Schadenfreude ad, Sen. My grandma found out what League of Legends is. She's thinking of building a PC. Valve, you need to hurry. Please give marketing. Disco Farm D. Dark Seas Stooge, Guardian Place Stooge. This is the word I still don't understand how to pronounce. Saudade Stooge. That's very wrong, but it's fine. Swadade is my favorite word, not an ad. The Mega Pope. Well, New Zealand is fucked. Cyclones suck, but still TI in New Zealand. Zan Xavier and Thate. Jesus. Nate Thicko01 Hamscroats. Also, thank you to Bacon, Shock TM, Freshly Seasoned Goat Balls, Janie, Dop, Nothing to See Here, Underscore Man, Guitar Strings, Yves Raymond, Ben Broomhead says hi to his friend. Emray from Pixel, Wooden Aftertaste Anonymous, and there are more possible configurations of a game of chess than there are atoms in the universe, Mr. Niebling. I've heard this too. I don't see how that's possible, though. I really don't see how that's possible. That is very possible. How? There's like an infinite amount of shit in the universe. Like infinite. There's also an, There is... Okay. Let's do some really quick math here, Shannon, okay? Okay. A chessboard is how big? 
I don't know. 16 it's by 16? Okay. 16 by 16 <laughs> would make really long games. That's, All right, so that's the chess that I play. All right, so it's 8 by 8, right? <laughs> that means there's 64 squares. And each player has 16 pieces. So Ugh. let's think of this for a second, right? Every time one piece is either knocked out or stands in a different position, you have a new configuration, right? So you have every iteration where pieces are in one place, and if one piece is gone, it's new. If one piece is in one other position, it's new. Yeah. The amount of combinations in chess is ridiculous. I No, I, I don't disagree. I just, I find it interesting that you think there is more atoms than that. If you think about how many possibilities there are, it's like... It's not infinite, but it is a yeah. But I I think that the universe is infinite. That's why I think that that doesn't sound right to me. Yeah, but if the universe is infinite, does there need to be atoms everywhere? Dark matter have atoms. I'm just kidding. That's bullshit. Hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it sounds wrong. It sounds weird. Anyway, let's not go off onto a rant because this is gonna be a really long ass podcast. Okay. Yeah, it's a huge patch. So. Let's first cover the Lima Major, everything that went down. Yep. I watched a good amount of this because it was more in my time zone, Cinderin. Uh, I mm-hmm. will actually take a picture of the full bracket uh, okay. since we covered, I think, up to the group stage, right? And then we, we gave... We covered up to the playoffs, you mean? Uh, yeah, uh, through the group stage, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here's the brackets right in our faces here. Cover more of Cinderin's side, of course. And, okay. So, obviously Game and Gladiators ended up winning. Uh, that one was... I mean, we, we knew they had a good chance, but... It was a weird road overall. First of all, they didn't lose a single game the entire bracket, which is crazy. I think that hasn't happened before at a major, by the way. I think that's the first. Yeah, that sounds right. And I think one of the biggest stories, of course, is the fact that Team Liquid... Uh, we're not, uh, did not have boxy for the last couple or last three series or something like last that. Two, I think. No, three. You're right. Cause yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Three series. So yeah, boxy, we don't know any details. Even if we did, obviously this is not something we would want to even speculate about, but he got sick and went to the hospital and then they decided, I guess as a group that he would go back home assuming you know some hospitalization thing you'd just be more comfortable i guess that makes sense on some level but if it's like an emergency it's i don't know i don't want to speculate it's definitely weird mm-hmm. and unfortunate we wish him the best but that's when they started losing some games jabs had to step in that's their coach uh, but what did you think about that whole situation i mean it's just really unfortunate but i think liquid's way of handling it is pretty much from my perspective is perfect i think personal health is more important than anything in this game so like it's obviously a really unfortunate timing right you're in the upper bracket final of a major your team's looking amazing and then one of your most instrumental players in getting there uh falls sick but think of it this way if you're put in that position and I, I have this vibe from Liquid that they're a really tight-knit team, right? That they're really good friends as well uh, as competitors. I think you would understand that I would think they have a more tight-knit friendship than basically every other team in Dota uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, they, a lot of them have played together forever. They've been through mega ups and downs and still haven't split, uh, right? So I think they're very close. And if you're in a 
again, without speculating anything about the seriousness and what's going on, if the right thing for him is to go home, I think you as a team don't pressure him to stay and play, even if, you know, you're in a really good spot because it's not worth it um, from my perspective. So it sucks uh, that Boxy couldn't play. The tournament, I think, would have run differently if he did. I don't think Gaiman would have lost zero games, but considering how the tournament played out, I think hand on heart, maybe they would have won anyway, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, but it, you you never know. So it really sucks. I hope Boxy is well. Um, I believe there's been other instances. You you remember he took like a break for a while, uh, also dealing with health, I think. So um, yeah. I hope things get better for him, or if it's a family member or whatever it is. But this time around, it sounded like he was in the hospital, right? So he's been on health leave before. Yeah. Um, so hoping so. for the best. Hopefully, it's not too serious. Um, yeah. Yeah. In terms of other storylines across the tournament, Talon, they lost 2 0 to Team Liquid in the upper bracket, and they went on an absolute rampage in the lower bracket. They 2 1 are 2 0 Hellraisers, 2 1 Team Spirit, 2 0 Entity. Uh, so Entity actually lose four games in a row, which is very surprising considering how their group stage went. And then Talon versus Shopify was a really good best of three. So Shopify ensures fourth place, but Talon gets third. Liquid, when they lost Boxy, they went to the lower bracket because they lost 2-0 to Gaiman. And then they end up beating Talon 2-0. So you thought that maybe there was going to be some momentum there, but then they just... It was not close. The Grand Finals is maybe the most stompy I've seen. Just a 3-0 mega stomp for the most part. Uh, yeah, I mean, the games for this for this tournament, I think the overall average match length in the finals was shorter than the average match length of the tournament. So that's already indicative of something. Um, and yeah, n none of the games really felt like, okay, Liquid have a really good shot at this. Um, so yeah, pretty one-sided and pretty incredible uh, that Gaiman makes this run look so easy. Sure, they finished top of their group, but it was by, you know... It was by a hair. They went 11 and 5, so did Spirit. And then EG and Talon were 10 and 6. So the group was really close. But they just figured something out and they got some good momentum on the stage. And I think one of the things about Gaiman in this tournament that I think separates them a bit from a lot of the other teams is that it felt like they played all of the strong meta stuff at a really high level. So they were really hard to ban against, right? They played Carolina, they played Offlane Brood, they played IO Lesh, they played Batrider. Uh, Bat, Lina, and Brood were the three most contested heroes of the Major, and all three of them were really terrifying in this team's hands. And then on top of that, their best strategy is none of those, right? Mm -hmm. The best strategy is Io Lesh. So that makes the team extremely hard to first phase against, and that means they go into every single game, every single series, comfortable. You can't ban them out in the first phase. So uh, a lot of the times, that's those are the teams that win, right? Because... If they're really good with their strategies and teams can't beat them, they will get their strategy every time. So, And that also meant in the finals, Liquid gave Game and Gladiators Lina three times in a row, and some people in the community are like, Liquid are stupid, why are they giving away Lina? Well, then give them the other strat, see if it goes any better for you, right? It's, uh, that's how it is sometimes. Yep, that's right, Cinderin. It's, it's rough. They were, they were really, really good. So I'm, uh, I'm super happy for Quinn. I just want to say that. Um, Really happy for the guy. I think he finally gets a big break. I think he's been really good for a long time, but kind of... I've criticized him myself for being prone to, like, underperforming on the big stage uh, in his previous teams. I think this time he's really stepped it up. I don't know if it's something about the environment in the team, the players he's playing with, whatever it is. Maybe he feels less pressure uh, because he's playing around better players or a better system. 
but he played a really good tournament. He didn't choke. Um, and I'm super happy for him because I think he's a really likable guy, uh, despite the way he sometimes comes off on stream, where I would say if you have to be toxic, at the very least, he's very creative about it, which is kind of funny. Um, obviously, prefer if people weren't, but he uh, he's a good lad. He's funny, and he seems like his heart is in the right place. So always easy to cheer for those players. I'm happy for him. Yeah, that's the one guy that's like, first of all, first NA player ever to win a major, which that's I didn't true. realize was a thing, by the way. Uh, that's actually uh, kind of surprising. Yeah, when you say NA, you mean American. Or, sorry, American. Yes, American yeah, specifically. Can Canadians have won majors before. That doesn't count. So. Um, the first USA player. Yeah, like I know he gets a bad rap for in-game stuff, and he should. He should get a bad rap for, for sure. you know, doing stupid stuff in games when he just tilts, but in person, I'm telling you, he's totally different. Super nice guy, very eloquent, very happy for him. I mean, their whole team, honestly, from the people that we've it's met, just like a bunch of good guys. Celery seems... specifically, we've hung out a bit with. He's extremely, uh, extremely nice. Really like him, so I'm happy for Game and Gladiators. Uh, obviously, feel bad for Liquid that they weren't at full strength, but who knows? Like you said, maybe this ends that way anyway, or at least uh, it'll be more competitive for sure. But Jabs obviously think... put in a weird spot for this. Honestly, maybe the thing I'm most happy about in the final runout is that Liquid got second, right? Because it's like, if they lose Boxy and then they don't make the finals after having such an amazing tournament, that would have been kind of a letdown, right? Now you still got the whole finals atmosphere. You get to experience that, which is huge for any player to go to the grand finals of a tournament. The whole setup, the crowd, all of it, they got to be a part of it. They didn't win, but that experience is... I think they really deserved it after the tournament they ran. So it would have been a huge shame if oh. they didn't at least get there. Plus, and I a... thought they wouldn't. I thought they were going to lose to Talon, actually. So. There's a curse where when you win the major, you don't win TI. No one has ever mm. won TI that has won a major. So, Is that true? During the same year, that is. Is that actually true? Yeah, that's true. I heard it somewhere. I thought, I thought it was just the, <laughs> the definitely... major before TI. That's definitely true. No, I mean, it might be true, honestly. I'm trying to think back. Well, if you think right. most of the majors OG one, right? <laughs> yeah. And those the years, years they won TI, they, they didn't make the majors, right? Or something. Correct. And the last couple of years, I yeah. definitely not Spirit. Uh, definitely not uh, Tundra. Wait, Tundra? Did they got second, or I think, right, in one of the majors? Uh, or third, maybe. Oh, You're testing me here. I don't remember. It was the Stockholm one. Anyway. So congratulations to Gaming Gladiators. Uh, one thing before we move on about the Lima Major, I wanted to talk about this was the whistling. So mm. first and foremost, I don't understand why... I'm going to leave the bracket up. Whatever. Uh, mm. Why are people walking on pins and needles with this subject? Why is this a controversial subject? I don't that, get it either. That's the first question. So this is... Let me just spell out what happened and then i made a tweet about it and some people disagreed with the tweet which blows my mind more than anything i can remember in the last year so okay. during the tournament the fans at the arena start whistling anytime the team they're rooting against smokes the teams can hear this mm -hmm. this is not a question of whether they can hear it or not 100 percent they can easily hear this. So effectively just takes the smoke out of like, you literally can't smoke if the crowd is against you. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is cheating. That's a way to help. Yep. I mean, and obviously the players don't want this. They want to win fair and square. Yep. 
And so I made a tweet saying, you know, the crowd is really awesome. They're really loud. This is like one of the loudest crowds I've ever heard, but it's pretty shameless. I'm just paraphrasing pretty shameless that they start whistling. I get some tweets. First of all, most people agree with me, so I'm not going to make this out to be like I'm against mm -hmm. the world here, but a few tweets, people are like, it's just, it's like the same in basketball. First of all, don't ever try to <laughs> make a point about basketball to me, who knows more about basketball than you will ever know, okay? That's number one mistake. They tried to reach you. They number like, one this, mistake. You understand this. And I was thinking about this more, and I literally cannot come up with a feasible way to actually compare the two because it's not possible no. to give information away to a basketball player. So there's two different things here. A crowd cheering really loud, heckling, whatever. That's perfectly fine. That's home court advantage. That's a normal, mm -hmm. traditional sport. This would be equivalent. And somebody else said, oh, this is, and this is people that are agreeing with me, but they're also wrong in the comparison. This is like pointing laser pointers at basketball players. It's like, no, the equivalent of that is pointing laser pointers at the computer players, the computer game players at the fucking land. You could just, that's a one-to-one -one actually. So the closest I can come up with, and basketball is not a good example because like it's a free-flowing offense for the most part. The players for the most part are calling their own plays and everything is like based off of what they're seeing. So it's very fast, right? Football, mm -hmm. there's more set plays technically. So let's say somehow, if by football I mean NFL, somehow uh, the crowd is aware of every single time that this team is going to call a specific play and they whistle and then yep. the enemy team or the team they're rooting for knows what this means. That's the only way. It would, and again, this is not feasible. There's not a good comparison at all. Yep. So... It's cheating, plain and simple. It's stupid. So what I would have liked from the tournament side is after the first time it happens, I would have liked one of the home teams. And this is not on them, by the way. I think this is something the organizers of the tournament should step up and do. They should have asked one or both home teams, which in this case were Beast Coast as well as EG. Beast Coast got knocked out by EG, though, so... I guess kind of nonsensical in that sense because both home teams faced each other first but then eg afterwards they should have asked a player from eg after the first time it happened to because like you can say it as the tournament organizer but i think there's a lot more weight behind it if one of the players of the team stands out and says please don't whistle respect the game we're playing for you we want to win but we don't want you guys to whistle for us right mm -hmm. like in an official capacity in the arena I want to believe that that would have made a big difference. If they already did that and I didn't see it and the crowd just didn't care, then fuck them, honestly, right? Because it's just like, it's just so bad. This, and this, every argument you just pointed out is so extremely flawed. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> there, there's no sport in the world that has fog of war. Although it sounds pretty fucking awesome if it did. <laughs> you can't make that. Uh, that that's so, only if everybody has horrible eyesight, really. I mean, honestly, the only sport that I can imagine you could do this whistling shit is, is if you did the Hunger Games, you know? And then the crowd starts whistling when someone is around a tree with a gun. So uh, somebody, that would be pretty hype. Somebody but, in chat you know. is bringing up, I guess this is maybe the closest comparison, but this isn't the crowd. This, And again, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on baseball, but I know there's been like cheating scandals where mm -hmm. the like opposite coach or something is banging on a trash can or just making some signal. But 
because they have information that the pitcher doesn't or whatever the case may be. I, again, I don't know the specifics, mm -hmm. but this is actually a thing. Right. But that's not the crowd. Like that's obviously a team no. cheating to help their team I mean, win. That. The crowd is like a separate entity entirely, right? Yeah, so, it, I mean, it's cheating regardless, right? So it's kind yeah, of, it is cheating regardless. But one is like you can sanction it. The other one, like if there was an equivalent, no like what do you do with the crowd in that case? For like yeah. if it was an NBA game, if it somehow made sense, start kicking them out of the I'm crowd. So I don't know. Need, you kind of need to reach the crowd on a personal level, and I think the best chance you have is that the team that they're cheering for just advocates against what they're doing. They just step up and say, guys, please don't whistle. And I do think something like that maybe happened on social media, but I think you have to do it live in the arena and it needs to be broadcast on the big screen. Yeah. Because I would like to think that at least a lot of the people that are whistling will feel frowned upon when they do that. And it's kind of a collective thing where if the vibe in the arena is that whistling sucks, then the people who are whistling will become a minority there, and then they'll probably stop doing there it. There is right? another solution which would suck for the crowd, but that's kind of mm -hmm. on them is you just have whistling on the speakers the entire yes. game. Constant whistling? Yeah. That just makes for a really shitty viewing experience, though. Yes, I agree. So, it's better than cheating, though, but, if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, right? honestly, if, if it's that or what we had, then I would think that would be better. I would agree. I think so, the integrity of the game is the most important. Let me so. ask you this, because in Valorant, in Counter-Strike, and now Dota, there's been mm -hmm. drama with each South America land. I don't think the whistling was a thing in the other ones. I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. I think in the other ones, it was mostly drama that they would only cheer for the Brazilian teams in Brazil. And then mm -hmm. if they were knocked out, they would literally leave the arena and there'd be nobody there for like the finals or anything. Like, oh, we don't like, so, obviously you should be fans of the game, blah, blah, blah. But for this, for Lima, it didn't seem like that was the case at all, which is good. Yeah. But the cheating thing, not so good. So I wonder so the thing in Brazil, just to give a bit of context to that, because I, I, I want to be fair, right? And I don't want to paint any region in a negative light unless they deserve it. And I, I think the whole Brazil thing and this as well, to be honest, I think a lot of the flaws that were there were of an organizational nature rather than the crowd of the country just being biased or being just being a bad crowd, right? So the thing I will criticize for this event from a crowd perspective is the whistling. That's the only thing that comes to mind. I think uh, when it comes to the viewership, a huge part of the reason that the crowd wasn't there as much as they could, first of all, it's about whether people are off work, right? Because a big part of the main event happened on weekdays. So if people aren't there, they probably couldn't be there, right? That's one thing. Then the other one is the event, the, like the, <laughs> what's the word for this? Testimonial sounds so official, but like the people that wrote something on, on Reddit or on Twitter about being at the event and like paraphrasing here, obviously, Basically, something along the lines of it wasn't a comfortable environment to be in. There was mega long delays. So the, the days just got very long and boring flat out for the crowd because mm. games took so long to be executed. Uh, the food options weren't great. Uh, the chairs weren't great. All of these things add up to a poor viewing experience, right? So if that's happening, all of that along with the delays, I don't blame the crowd for at some point having enough and going to do something else, right? Like you don't. You don't have to be there. You mm -hmm. you paid for the tickets, but if the tickets are... It's like people walking out of the movie if it's a bad movie, right? Nobody blames people for doing that. It's just like, yeah, fuck this movie, right? So mm -hmm. um, I think organization of this tournament could have been way better. And then the Brazil example you gave, supposedly, if I remember correctly, there's this huge CSGO streamer called Gol, I think, or Gols. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. G-A-U-L-E-S. He does uh, a lot of the... 
I think it's Brazilian Portuguese, if I'm not mistaken, uh, broadcast of Counter Strike, and he has huge viewers. He's a he's a mega streamer, basically. He had, uh, I believe, there was a, f a a fan meet outside the arena. It was like a huge setup, so obviously a lot of the local crowd wants to be a part of that because he's a superstar. It's like you go to a concert and then there's a legend outside having a signing session. Uh, mm. And that feels like a once in a lifetime opportunity maybe to re meet your biggest idol, right? So, and it wasn't just a signing session. It was like a whole fan uh, festival, actually, I think that was outside. So in that case, a lot of the audience, if they had to weigh the options of, am I going to be inside watching this game between two teams that I'm not particularly interested in, or am I going to be outside at the fan festival with the biggest streamer in Brazil in CSGO? I, I can see the dilemma. I don't know. I mean, yeah. And as the organizer, they probably sold a shitload of tickets on that, but it just doesn't look good on broadcast. But I'm sure the fans had a hell of a time outside the arena, right? Mm. And they just went inside to cheer when their home team was playing. If if Gol wasn't outside, if he was inside the whole time, I think the arena would have been way more packed. That's just my take on that. So, so I don't think SA inherently there's anything wrong with it. I think both biggest dramas that I've heard about the problem has been the organizational nature, not the fans. So, so. something I'll say here. Uh... In my opinion, from an organized perspective, first of all, if, if the show is not to the standards that people expect, they should complain. Mm -hmm. But I will say this for ePulse. Um, I think maybe people have a short-term memory. It feels like every LAN is like, almost every LAN is like this, where the first few days are pretty fucking bad. I mean... Am I the only one that remembers the beginning of TI? Which is the biggest tournament of the year? That was a pretty big shit show as well. Like, usually it, it takes it them a couple not... days to get... I'm not saying one... Like, it's comparable. In my memory, at least. It was... I was just gonna say it doesn't compare. <laughs> okay. I, so that's why I just... I remember the first few days... having some hiccups and some production issues, but I don't remember it having hour upon hours of delay. Oh, no, no, to no. This no, no, no. It wasn't hour and upon hour. And I think hour. that's the thing. That's the thing that most people... So, from if I were to guess, people would rather watch a show that has some hiccups and some flaws and maybe some audio hiccups here and there or problems with video, whatever it is, than a waiting screen for hours saying game starts soon and then there's one game and then there's an hour down again hey it was great uh, for me i woke up at 2 p.m and there's only one series that i missed so that was perfect yeah. i mean but so what i'm saying the crowd is for that right yeah that's i'm saying, saying like for t just, no no no. okay that's i'm just talking about from a remote standpoint yeah that's sure. totally okay. understandable for like ti i put that on a different level entirely than any major anyway that's and fair. the level of production at ti was not good in my opinion and that is comparable to me for a major. Now, right. can they improve a lot of stuff? Absolutely. And they should have. Yes. Like, there's a lot of fuck-ups for sure. But, I mean, overall, the Dota was good. So that, that was the best part about it, of course. Um, and, yeah, I guess that's it. So I, I also think, so what I will say, I think a lot of people watching uh, any sort of esports broadcast maybe don't understand the logistics of how huge this is. In order to really appreciate how big and how hard it is to put on a show like this, you need to be backstage, uh, which most fans never get. But the logistics of this is extremely big. But my point is, it doesn't excuse making ex um, mistakes to this extent. The problem in many of the situations probably is that the organizers are unexperienced with 
events of this magnitude and they still were assigned assigned the event so then it's a matter of okay are the right people working on the event are they being paid the correct amount did valve how much of this is on valve how much of it is on the organizer like how much information do they have access to blah blah, blah. if you really want to point fingers and find someone to blame it's not really what i'm all about right i'm just saying like it is it's really hard to do this and some part of the chain something definitely went clearly wrong either in the selection or in the way things were run locally by the organizer from what i think i've heard 4d probably has not run an event of this size before and they might have underestimated the task or they might not have had the money to organize it and run it quote unquote properly so um it's really expensive and it's really hard there's a reason there's companies that live off running events because other people can't do it themselves because it's really hard. Right. Um, and you need a lot of stuff. The equipment, the logistics of the whole thing is, is massive. So honestly, in fairness, if this is 4D's first really big event from the outside and from what we're used to seeing in other esports when events are run by like really experienced organizers, it obviously looks, it looks poor in comparison. But if this is their first run... This might have honestly been pretty decent, considering like how hard these things are. Um, mm-hmm. But that, but that's the thing about majors. That's not what we want, right? If they have a hiccup of this with this kind of event, maybe this wasn't. Maybe there was a stepping stone missing along the way, so they could have learned, made the experiences that they made this time with some other tournament, right? Mm-hmm. So it is what it is. It is what it is. It is. Yes. Okay. Uh, moving on. Let us begin. The Dead Reckoning update, which I will open up on my screen now. All right, so let's get this out of the way first, Cinderin. A lot of people are disappointed with this update. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll talk about our feelings after we're done. But this update comes with a new hero, a new, I don't know if you want to call it, it's not a mini game, it's just like rewards slash treasure stuff that we'll get through mm-hmm. and patch seven what patch are we on again three two is it 732 e 7.32 e and not 7.33 or even 8.0 which some yeah. people were expecting i'm sure uh but right, let's just go through it one by one and we'll talk about how we feel have you played the new hero by the way no i haven't i mean this patch came out late last night for me right yeah and i i tried my hardest to get hold of this hero but it was picked or banned every game so very That's sad always the same <laughs> so muerta has been released she is a carry ranged nuker disabler and if you're watching on screen we'll go through each skill so her first skill is a vector targeted ability called deadshot which was kind of spoiled a bit a few days ago because some of the files were leaked to some degree uh, Isn't this also the same ability that the Easter egg in the actual game had? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why it was leaked. Okay. Different numbers and stuff. So this call oh, this is called So when you say leaked, it, but it was intentional leak by the devs. I don't What do you mean intentional? I don't think it was intentional. Okay, so what from my perspective, okay, this is going to take even longer now. A leak <laughs> is when something that is not supposed to happen happens, right? That's why it's yeah. called a leak. When your yeah. sink is leaking, there's water coming out and that's not supposed to come out. So Thank something you. gets leaked about a game that usually is in the form of someone who has beta access posting a screenshot that they're actually not supposed to under NDA. Right, or they or leave a file in the game that they're not intended to. So you're saying this was right. on purpose? Because I, I didn't look what into ha- it more than... Correct I th- me if I'm wrong. Didn't what happen, wasn't it that each team in a small percentage of pub games, each team could buy five of a cosmetic item in the start of the game? And if all 10 players did, 
you unlocked an Easter egg hunt in the game that in the end would give you this spell. Okay. Right? If kind of like the there was a there was a time in Dota 1 where yeah. every point X9 patch had an Easter egg in the game. With Invoker, there was like an in-game quest you could do where you they needed had to find fucking Phoenix. frogs along the map. Phoenix yeah, is Phoenix on like the corner stuff. of the map or something. Exactly. That brought me back to that. So okay, the reason I'm saying it's intended, that happened. Okay, that if, I don't know if this was leaked before that. Maybe. If, no, I didn't no, no, hear about no. No, I think you're right. I think if that's the case, I didn't realize. I, again, I just skimmed it. And I just I thought that these things, I thought they just left a file in and it got fucked up and somebody no, they want, like, they took advantage to of it. Okay, that, a, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Anyway, first skill is called mm -hmm. Deadshot. It's a vector targeted. Muerta fires a ghostly blank shot in the enemy unit or tree. When the bullet strikes, it damages and briefly slows, then ricochets in the targeted direction. The ricochet, ricochet damages the that's a shout out to their old game ricochet. Mm. The ricochet damages all units that it passes through, stopping when it hits a hero. Heroes hit by the ricochet will run in the direction of the shot. So uh pretty cool. You get a fear, yep. but it's a skill shot. I would say it's not in, it's not that hard to use, but it definitely takes skill to actually hit when people are moving. Uh but the fact that you bounce it off trees is cool. You cannot use it off of allies, which I find interesting. An interesting choice. Um, but yeah. That's the first skill. Yep. Second skill is the calling. Summons a group of revenants that slowly circle the targeted location. Enemies within the area are slowed and have reduced attack speed. The revenants deal damage and silence enemies that pass through them. So it's kind of like a moving... What's dark willow bramble it's like almost like a mini maze to some degree and then yeah, each time spinning. these moving spirits hit you it, you get silence and if you get hit again then the silence refreshes completely and everything inside is like a mini upheaval kind of this is a pretty cool skill you can use this to farm so the first two skills you can farm creeps with pretty decently yeah. i would say this spell seems like it has a lot of synergy with a lot of heroes right yes anything that can push or reposition heroes can force them into the silence um, that's pretty interesting. Third ability is Gunslinger. So Muerta attacks have a chance to fire a second shot at another target, prioritizing heroes. I think it goes up to, without a talent, 50% at level 4. So half the time you're going to be hitting just another target randomly in the area. So pretty easy to explain. Yep. And it does proc your auto. It's just like a regular auto attack. And then her oh, so ult... It procs, it procs orbs. That's yeah. It's just like you're literally she attacking. Fought, she's got to farm really fast with Maelstrom, isn't she? Yeah, everybody's been buying Maelstrom. Uh, the yeah. ultimate is called Pierce the Veil, which is going to be really annoying to say when you're casting. She pierces the veil. Muerta yeah, trans. If you say it like that, then it's also going to be annoying <laughs> to listen to. Muerta transforms, becoming immune to physical damage. All of her attack damage is dealt as magical damage. Muerta gains bonus attack damage and phase movement. Muerta can attack ethereal units, but deals no damage to magic immune targets. So this one makes sense because she has the Revenant's brooch on her back, so people assume that she would turn into like this auto-attacking magic damage dealer. Uh, the fact that it doesn't do any damage to BKB I find is really weird, and I think my early call is that will be changed, because that feels yeah. really bad. Uh, but otherwise, it's a pretty cool skill. Only lasts 8 seconds. You get like 100 attack damage. But the fact that you can combine a BKB on yourself with this skill means you literally cannot take damage. Am I wrong? Piercing BKB, does that do damage maybe? Um, like Fiend's Grip, does that do damage maybe? 
Because you can definitely use it. But... I mean, there's going to be certain instances of um, of damage that will hit you, but because like any piercing pure, right? Yeah, piercing and pure, right? Yeah. So like black hole is a good example but that deals piercing pure. Damage, aside right? from but... that, I mean, the fact that you can use BKB because I don't think that's a thing on any ethereal thing in the game. Right. right? You can't be ethereal and BKB on other. So that's pretty big. Unless there was a time when you could e-blade yourself and then BKB. I actually don't know if that got changed even. But I agree with you, though. I think this the drawback of not being able to hit BKB targets is kind of weird. Um, if that is the case, if they want to keep that, I think the ulti should be a toggle. <clears throat> so you activate it, and for the next eight seconds, you can weave in and out of the veil. So you can choose to be humanoid form to hit BKBs whenever you want. And then swap back into ghost, but only for eight seconds. Then it expires. Does that make sense? So you start like a timer when you right. when you switch it on. I, I mean, think that would be. I a think pretty it's. Elegant I think of... it's fine the way it is. The way I think if you're trying to make a quick fix, which I don't think would have many bad gameplay implications at all, is you just do normal attack damage. Like, is that a bad thing? Yeah, that's like, another way. Then then BKB still feels like a somewhat of a counter, right? Because she does less damage to you or whatever. Um, like, yeah, let's I say the, I, I, the attack damage you get is considered magical, right? So that doesn't apply right. on BKB, but your regular attacks would. I'd be fine with that. But anyway, again, I haven't gotten the player, so this is all, like, somewhat uh, premature, I guess. But what, what we can talk about is the design. Like, just how the hero looks yeah. and how the spell effects look. Uh, I think every spell is very unique in look. I really like the color scheme of this. For, you know, this is the classic way of depicting death in video games. It's like this, I don't know what, what color you would say this is. It's like, um, it's like you merge green and turquoise, right? Sure. That's what it, that's what it feels. I don't know what that color is called, but the animations are really good. I think for a release hero, this is, this feels very polished to me in design. Mm -hmm. So I'm very happy with how the game spell hero looks, the way the spells look, the way the spell icons look. Haven't heard the voice acting though, but, um. Yeah, just overall very satisfied with this release, just looking at it. And it's a, it seems like a very unique hero to play as well. Um, so I think it's pretty cool. I think it's designed to be intended primarily as a carry, which it's feel, it feels like it's been a long time since there's been a yeah. new ranged carry. So That's true. I'm happy. Yeah, I, I would, uh, I would agree that she looks very good. I think conceptually I like her a lot. Uh, it reminds me, and I know people are going to, that are Han aficionados are going to say, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> Reminds me of Puppet Master, even though the skills are not remotely the same, because it's an int carry. And we don't really have many mm -hmm. int carries. Like, you think Silencer isn't really a thing as a carry. Windrunner is very single target focus. It's not like pure right clicker. It's like all focus fire, right? And disable. We only had Lena just now. <laughs> Lena. <clears throat> uh, no, that but, was a. Yeah, I mean, that, no, that's yeah. a good point, but she hasn't no, no, really I been... wasn't. I wasn't making fun of you. It's just like, it's just funny that we don't really have int carries, but then the one we just had is maybe one of the most broken ever. So that's just funny, right? right? But in the history of the game, you're right. There hasn't it been does, she, For Lena some reason, she, right she kind of does feel like Puppet Master based on what I've seen. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. The design is cool. Conceptually, I think it will be played as a carry. I think you can tell that they really want to stray people away from using her as support. She can farm really well. Uh, like if you play our support, then your third skill is like, what's the point of it? But, and I think one cool thing about her is she has a very good body and I don't mean that in a sexual way. She'll probably be like mm -hmm. an A tier body in ability arena. She has, so 
575 attacks range, which is slightly less than what you would want, but still good. Same as Viper, I think. Same as like Shadow Fiend, I think. But her int gain is very high, and her agility gain is very high. So similar like a Nature's Prophet. Um, she's I think lacking. Silencer shares the same traits, right? He also has high agi gain. I, think. I don't remember. So probably, yeah. I think but so. it feels refreshing. Like she doesn't have this crazy mobility spell, so you have to hit her Q, which is yeah, happy about skill that. shot. Um. Yeah, I'm excited to see what people do with her, and I think this, again, it's the first day, so I haven't really seen that much, but from what I've seen, it seems like a cool hero. So happy yep. that they came out with her. Yeah, I have no concept of whether it's <laughs> over or underpowered, by the way. I'm just saying from a design perspective, because okay. I think when heroes are released, the most important thing is that they seem fun, right? Because you can always tweak numbers. It's just, is the, is the hero inherently interesting? And I think it is. Can I? I'm happy with that. Okay, I was thinking just a little bit, and this is, again, this is okay. premature, but this is stuff is fun for me to think about. Ags okay. and shards, Cinderin, all right? Oh, God. <laughs> I have a go shard. Again. I have a shard okay. idea that I think you will, and everybody else will think is mega OP. Okay. And maybe it's slightly better than the 1400 gold, but I'm telling you it's not as OP as it sounds, but it's definitely good. Okay. okay. The W mm -hmm. mutes. Yeah, that's mega OP. I don't think it's mega OP. That's Ag Static Storm. It's not the same, though. Ag Static Storm, first of all, it's instant. This one is not yeah. instant. Secondly... Okay. That's a huge AoE. You can just walk away and go into the middle. You'd have to Wait. actually like set oh, so it up. Oh, so you're saying the ghosts mute? The ghosts that silence okay, currently you, you will said also the mute. ring mutes. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I said the W. Okay, yeah, sure. Oh, okay, I get it. The right, W so the ghosts, ghosts mute. mute. I think that would be a cool. And then for Agonist Scepter, I couldn't really think of anything off like the top of my head, which means maybe they'll come out with a new skill, but. I know a lot of people want the Q to deal like attack damage. I feel like they've overdone that. That's why this feels mm -hmm. refreshing to me, this concept, because we've talked about it before. A lot of these past heroes, like literally every single one basically, of the last 10 heroes in a row, have the same skill, if you think about it, repackaged in a different way. Trample, mm -hmm. Pangolier, Swashbuckle. Um, I can't remember any other new heroes, but they're all like these <laughs> attack-based uh, skills that use your attack damage or your attack projectiles or your attack proccing or something like that it's, it's like dawnbreaker q acorn shot thank you from yeah. there's yeah, right. there's literally like eight in a row marcy mm -hmm. might be the exception i was thinking about this marcy doesn't really have one but anyway like the yeah. same skill that's repackaged in a different which i don't really have a problem with but it's just funny that it's been so many heroes in a row so i'm happy that this is not that so i would not want that to be the ags um all right i will make a different I mean, I'll make a prediction rather than a suggestion. I think the yeah. Ag Scepter will be a new spell. I think so too. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't think this hero lends itself to having a shard and a scepter that modify its current spells. So I think what they're going to do is they'll make the scepter a new ability, and then the shard will probably modify. Like you said, maybe the second spell could be modified uh, with it. I think that's reasonable. I don't know if the I think the, re thing the, is the, the best, reason I but... thought about muting is because obviously she doesn't want to play against BKB, so that's a way to give her a way to not play against BKB. Yeah, but maybe that's too cheap then to offset the hero's primary weakness against other cores. It's just giving it mute because I, I don't know what's the formation time on the ghosts. It's like half a second. It looks and maybe that's. Let me look at it again. Is it faster than half a second? So I guess if anyone else sets you up with even a mini stun, 
you could mute an enemy hero because they're in the ghost, so they will be slowed and right. muted. Um, I mean, again, I would. I this would be one it of the. I'm, I'm not saying it's not very good. It would be an insanely good shard, but there's still better shards in the game, like in the game right now. I would say. I suppose. Um, I mean, again, I, I I don't have a strong opinion about it until I've seen the hero played a decent amount. I think it's always hard to theorize how strong heroes are actually going to be until you see the yeah. No, that's the true. way they interact with the game itself. So, Either way, happy, happy with happy this with one. this hero. I think very good job to whoever. I think that's something. Honestly, Valve has been getting quite a lot of flack with decisions they've made with the game recently. But I think the overall art style and the overall quality of hero releases has not disappointed me in the last years. I think. <laughs> Overall, yeah. the heroes are very, very fun. I will agree with your sentiment of all of these abilities that are attack damage based, sharing a little bit too much of that. I would agree. But overall, I've been very happy with hero releases. I still find the them fun. Years. Like I'm not yeah, complaining it's about been that. fun heroes. And that's the most important thing, right? Is that when you make heroes, you want people to enjoy them, right? And they've so pretty much. I'll also it mention, even part. though it's in the patch notes, so we'll get to it eventually, but I don't know if I'll, we'll mention Muerta, but the change to Revenant Brooch which nobody buys, you gain 60 attack speed now when you activate it. So it's meant to be picked up in theory by her because you're getting attack damage with her ult as well. But it kind of like overlaps to some degree because they're both giving you, you're changing your attacks to magic damage, which her ult already does. So mm. I don't know what that's all about. But basically what I've been seeing is Maelstrom and Dragonlance as like the two big items yeah. that you get early on. Dragonlance Which really makes a lot of sense. I guess Pike as well, right? Because you, yeah. you benefit pretty well from the stat. I've seen both upgrades that, to so. Mjolnir as well and Gleipnir. So, yeah. She has an issue with like... I think the one hard thing... Sorry to talk about her so much, but the one mm -hmm. thing that I'm seeing early on is that obviously the fear is pretty impactful, but having them fear into you requires you to get closer, which requires like a blink dagger or something like that. Yeah. And even if you get in with a blink dagger... It's a whole projectile, and it's skill shot, so it's actually going to be pretty hard to hit. So, like, her catching up, the whole point of me saying this is her catching up to heroes is actually quite difficult. Because the easiest shot to land is them running away from you then, which yeah. then you can't hit them. That makes, that makes Leibniz really good, because you exactly. root two people, and then you can fear them, and they don't run away. Yeah. They just stay there, and they're feared. Or the second target. That's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so the Dead Reckoning is a mini game. So effectively, I don't know if it was me or it was. I think I played four games today, maybe, and all four games, uh, it was the the same positions getting matched up against each other. So what happens mm. is you get two people selected, one from each team, and they're basically targeted, and you get flowers as they call them uh, for getting an assist or a kill against that target. And for me, it was every single position one on one team and every single position three on the other. So they're actually in the same lane every time. I don't know if it was just coincidence, okay, but it was four times in a row. 
So you're saying, so again, I haven't played a game in this yet. You're saying it's one player per team per game. Yes. That get targeted. Okay. So it's but, not like everybody in the game has an opponent. No, but everybody is trying to kill okay. that one guy because for each assist and kill that each person gets, they get yeah, flowers at it. the end of the game. And it's not, yeah. at first I thought it was like a team-based thing where everybody's uh, getting the same amount of flowers. Then I looked at the end of the game, everybody had different amount based on what you did right. to that hero. So the the flowers can be used to get treasures which have the keys apparently you get five free keys so that's something new i get i really hate this key treasure system that cs mm -hmm. does that we continue to do i've never bought one before one good thing though is that the keys can be purchased with shards and you know how i feel how useless shards are so that's yep. an improvement so that's nice there are some players that have over a million so they can open some treasures Everyone gets I, I matched say, up I'm with. Okay, so by, that, by the way, okay, chat is Aren't telling me. Hold on, chat is telling me I'm wrong that it's uh everybody gets their own opponent apparently. So I was wrong about that. I thought. Okay, so it is all players in the game. Okay, I, I guess I don't know, but the reason hmm, that's weird because you know how the big versus screen comes up. Yeah. It, sh it showed a close up of me every time actually. Mm -hmm. And then a close-up of my opponent every time. So you're saying that everybody is seeing themselves and their opponent? Oh, that would actually make sense. So if, if they, they did it that it, way, because usually the versus screen, everybody sees the same person, right? Right. So that's why that I would That makes assume... a lot of sense to implement it that way as well. I think yeah. that's good. Okay, that's, that's cool then. Okay, so just to follow up, I, I was asking... I'm really surprised that they let you use shards as a dollar currency. I, this I, is the first time, yeah. right? Good thing I saved um, all that shit. Jesus. Yeah, I'm really surprised. I didn't think they were going to do this. Um, I think, I don't, I'm not going to jump too much to conclusions about direction here, but this in combination with what they did with the goodie bag last TI, which we've talked about uh, on this podcast, obviously already seemed like a little bit of a band-aid solution to some community disappointment. It's showing a bit of a different direction that they are making. I, I personally think it's really good that there is an obtainable currency in the game by playing. Mm. I think it incentivizes people to not always open their wallet, even though obviously it is very profitable for Valve to just make items only obtainable by purchase. But making things obtainable by play also has inherent value because it increases overall the amount of players in the pool. It increases people's inter interest in just interacting with the game in general. Um, <laughs> and that's what you want. You want your game to be alive. So I think even if the rewards are small, I've also talked this to death in the past, give people a reason to log in and play every day. And now that your daily shards from even just playing can convert into treasures, I'm assuming, I don't know if these items you open with a treasure, are they tradable? Any of them? Or are they locked to you? Do you know? I don't know. I, I wasn't interested in any of the sets. Uh -huh. I, uh, the IO set looks the as, coolest. Just as a but... concept, shards being a currency that you can <clears> buy <throat> stuff with that otherwise yeah. costs money, I think is very welcome. Yeah. Because uh, I think for a lot of players, some of the stuff that is... Uh, dollar gated, if you want to call it that, is not something they obtain. <laughs> uh, they don't want to spend the money on it because they don't have the disposable income or aren't interested in spending money on a video in that way. But there's a lot of people that have a lot of shards and just want to play Dota and have fun. And this is a little something for them. So I think that's very good. Uh, one quick note about the versus thing or the, the flowers or whatever. It makes a lot mm -hmm. of sense now that it works that way because I was talking to my teammates the whole day 
about let's kill this guy we'll get all these flowers and nobody ever responded to any of those <laughs> so they're probably like what the fuck are you talking about yeah, go on buddy can you kill your flower guy if i have an, a different objective in my game <laughs> so the dead reckoning chest has three tiers so it's kind of works the same way as the other ones have in the past uh i don't think we go through these these this isn't even all of them anyway but they're all like these uh day of the dead type themes the io one is the most crazy i mean the fact that io even has a set is crazy other than the arcana I don't even know how to explain this one. Is this like a... It almost looks like a Mayan calendar or something. Yeah, that's a really good way to explain it. It looks like Aztec or Mayan, right? And then it has this um, stereotypical... So it has a face basically on it, which is made out of stone. Uh, it has two blue crystals for eyes, and then it has saw teeth and a tongue coming out, just sticking straight out. Um, and then around the orb, there's three uh, triangles that are orbiting ever so slightly around the around it it's very unique i think it's a i think it's cool a cool set i don't know like thematically how much this makes sense for io i think it makes a lot of sense for the event right it makes a lot of sense for day of the dead and what the whole theme of this which obviously all the sets use but i can't wait to see this in game it's uh <laughs> it's gonna look so yeah. weird i think it's great i i know i know you don't like crazy shit but this is crazy shit right here so Not, so that's not the thing. I, I wouldn't say it like that. I'm not going to say I don't like crazy shit because I think some of the crazy stuff in the game is really good. But I do like when the hero gets to keep its theme, right? That it like makes sense for what the hero is trying to so be. So how do you so make I, a set for Wisp? Okay, let me give you an example of what I think would be garbage, okay? okay. A set that makes TA a cute nurse, okay? That would be crazy, but it would also be fucking stupid, right? Okay. Okay. Why do you so hate nurses that, so much? That, they made Marcy a nurse, didn't they? That's just that's. <laughs> it's because I hate nurses specifically, Shannon. <laughs> that's just why. No, yeah, makes so sense. You you get the idea, right? Like I can I can definitely appreciate some of the crazier things in the game, but I I don't want the characters to become like. What is it in Heroes of the Storm? You can like have Diablo riding a rainbow unicorn. Like really, dude? Like what the <laughs> fuck, man? That was the only part it's of the Diablo. game that I liked. That's the, literally the only part of Heroes of the Storm that I enjoyed. It's was riding Diablo. the donkeys. He or doesn't whatever. ride a fucking unicorn. He's the devil, dude. What is it? Yeah, he's a what cute. He's a cute. He's relatable. Hey, then come on. So the the only other set I'll talk about is the wow. This is looks fucked up. On why did that screw up? The Pudge Persona. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Oh yeah, this is for the Persona specifically, right? This set. Yeah. So that's the first one for this Persona. Um, I guess you get the Persona with it if you don't have it. Man, I don't know how to explain this set. What? Uh, no, yeah, wait, how does that on. work? How did you obtain the Pudge Persona in the past? It was Battle uh, battle Pass for TI. Battle Pass level? Yeah. So if you do now get the Persona with the set, if you don't have it already, that is technically an old exclusive that is now available to everyone. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense for this to not give you the set. No, I mean, you, you can't just give people the set and then say, lol, you can't use it because you don't have it. I mean, they... they <laughs> right? Yeah. That's not how it works. I... Yeah, I don't think yeah, I think it works the way that it should, I'm pretty sure. Unless somebody we'll see what the uh what the chat says. Persona and Arcana are not exclusives, never were. What does that mean though? It was part of the battle pass for sure. Oh, Which, if it if it if it had a level requirement in a battle pass, and then when the battle pass ended you couldn't get it anymore, I would consider that an exclusive. Yeah. So but, I, you can't go on the market now and get the Pudge Persona is my point. You cannot obtain it, right? 
in any other way than this, or maybe I'm remembering it wrong. I think. Anyway, I believe so. Okay. Anyway, already so that's done the chest that with Invoker, right? They broke the mold with him as well. Yes. So this is not new. So the one that they need to do something with is the Murano one because that's the most basic fucking set ever. It's very boring. The anime one. Mm. I think that's the one people dislike the most. All right, moving forward. New features, advanced battle stats. I actually did not... I forgot to look at this. Damn. Uh, dive into your data of your Dota history. Elevate and evaluate your game with advanced battle stats directly in your profile. Dota Plus members now have access to completely revamped real-time gameplay analytics. Dig deeper into your playstyle by sorting your complete Dota history by hero, role, game mode, and more. Focus on last hitting. Your creep stats group has you covered. Improving your support skills. Support stats are now more revealing than a sentry ward. So I wish I had insight on this, but I literally forgot to look at it. Uh, they yeah. made some additional edits to quick casting, so you can use it for literally every skill uh, different hotkeys and stuff like that, so that's very nice. People have been, I just want to emphasize, people have been asking for this for years. This has been a suggestion made, I don't know what year. When did QuickCast come out? Yeah, it's been a I while. Since the beginning of QuickCast, people have been suggesting this exact thing. I don't know why this took so long, because I just feel like this is inherently just a really good quality of life thing. Uh, they've made step-by-step -step upgrades to QuickCasting, but yeah, I just wonder why wasn't this the version that the first time it got patched? Why wasn't it like this? Maybe it's too much work. I don't know. But it's good that it's there now for the people. That I mean, it's enjoy funny this. that you're saying all this because I can say the exact same thing about this next one, which is friendless improvement. How many mm. times on this podcast specifically have I said, please add a search function in the friends list? The friends thing in game has been so bad from day one of Reborn. Mm. This has been dog shit absolute dog shit but now you can search for friends that's the best feature added in this update and in addition you can add people to favorites to give you more customized customizing options so that they just show up at the top every time this is so you can make such better a friends with some of your friends and less good friends with other of yeah your friends. i'm sick of seeing slacks at the top of my favorites. list here he will not be on my favorites i'll make sure to put enough favorites so that he ends below my screen so I don't have to see him playing fucking Venno with five sets of boots. Fair. Uh, but yeah, this is great. You could also remove great. him from friends. <sighs> That's too mean. And then you don't have to see him at all. This is great. Great yeah. fucking addition. About time. Thank you. Good quality. I agree. All right. And then we get on to 7.32E and more. We're going to skip the turbo mode changes because I don't think they're that interesting. But they essentially make things... Uh, like the bracers and stuff will actually double in stats a little earlier. Uh, they just may, I don't, who cares? That's turbo mode. I, I think one of the biggest things about turbo is that hero selections are blind. I find that an interesting choice. That's pretty special in Dota, right? Yeah, I'm wondering what, have that. what's the point exactly. Of that. I don't know why turbo specifically gets this. My gut says this is a experimentation. I, Yes, I feel like this is a testing ground to implement it in all pick later, mm. potentially, if it's very well received. Mm. It's something that so when they say when they say blind, the way this works is that both teams pick all their heroes and then the draft shows. Yep. I'm assuming. <laughs> That's and the way I read two it. Players pick the same hero, it gets banned in yep. turbo as well, I'm guessing. And if you don't pick a hero in time, it randoms. Or it selects yeah. whatever you're selecting. Okay, so 
yeah, I wonder if they're testing this to implement an all pick. I personally don't think they should. What I think would be nice in all pick though would be an anonymous draft. I think that would be cool. Which um, is you can't see who's in the enemy team, but you can see the picks. You can't see the players. What's the point? Oh, to be able to see what, like, if you wreck, I mean, that's just an immortal thing, <laughs> right? Um, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's irrelevant for, it, you're right. It's probably, it's irrelevant for most of the, most of the game. That's true. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not so important after all. All right. General updates, Cinderin. Uh, any, okay. You tell me what you want to talk about. If anything, on this list. Uh, We're I obviously not going to go through everything. I, I want to highlight the most important things. So I think the fact that you can't, uh, you can't convert range creeps as mm -hmm. Enigma is pretty big. Yep. And then there's like some extra, little extra things that make um, summoned units worse against reinforced units. So that would be both towers and siege creeps, I think. Take less damage from summons. Uh, maybe not towers, actually. Are towers reinforced? Fuck, man. I can't remember these armor types and everything. I think they are. They simplified them, and for us oldies, yeah. became more complicated. <laughs> they, effectively, they effectively just made towers better against summoned unit heroes, right? So when you glyph, you hit one more target, and uh, fortified units take less damage from summons. That's it. Okay, items. Um, what's worth highlighting? Boots of Bearing has no charges. That's kind of cool. You just can keep using drum every time it's sacred relic is way cheaper back to 3400 which means all the other items associated with like yeah. radiance rapier divine rapier and... cheaper yep that's cool um mango lost 0.2 regen people will be like man who cares that's a really big deal this item has been a ridiculous value proposition for half a year um this is a big nerf if you guys remember watching at ti skitter would buy nine mangoes on specter and a quelling blade and go to lane um, and have absurd <laughs> hero region it, it was this was i think for the last half year mango has been the most overpowered item in dota and i think people have slept mm. on it way too much and then at some point it got discovered and support started with six mangoes on undying six mangoes on jakiro every hero six mangoes on maiden every hero that could spam spells in lane would start with this because it would just be the best economic trading item in the game so mm. Good nerf. Um, four staff plus 50 mana cost is pretty huge. 100 to 150, that's a big nerf. A lot of heroes uh, are starved for this mana that want to buy the item. Uh, it means that activating it is more expensive than the int you get from building it. Because uh, you get 130 mana, I think, from the 10 int that it gives, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. Uh, nerfs to Gleibnir, nerfs to Greaves, two big items of the major. Doesn't so, surprise me at all. Okay, my question is, do, this doesn't seem like that big of a nerf for Greaves. Am I wrong? Considering um, it's bought literally every game in every offlane, the entire offlane role is revolved around this item. It's substantial, but doesn't kill the item, which I think is good. Because I think this is a good item. Like, it's a shame when Greaves aren't played. But right now, it was a bit too much, and I think mm. this kind of nerf puts it in a better place. I think it's still a good item, though, but not as overpowered as before. Okay. So I think it's, it's fine. I, I'm, I'm curious how much this is going to matter, but it's definitely the right direction. Um, Meteor Hammer casts 0.5 seconds faster. That's actually a really big buff. This means a lot of heroes that didn't have access to this item before can now combo it. I'm really interested to see what players come up with with this, because it does the exact same as before. It just lands half a second faster, and that means that the time it takes from you starting your hammer until it hits is 2.5 seconds instead of 3. 
And that opens up for a plethora of stuns to suddenly combo with this fully and not let the enemy BKB mm. or move in between. Um, the reason this was bought on OD in particular is that it was one of the only heroes in the game that had a long enough disable to do the full channel while being safe. Uh, I think some heroes will be interested in this now. I think it's pretty... I'm curious. Um, Shadowblade removes invisibility when you attack during the fade time. There's a stupid thing with clinks where you could Shadowblade and then barrage during the fade, and every single attack from the barrage would deal Shadowblade bonus damage. It was the same on Ember's Slide of Fist. That's changed. Can That's I, good. It was just a dumb mechanic. I want to make a quick note on Revenant's Bruce. We talked about how to add 60 okay. attacks. Again, this is an item nobody yeah. builds, correct? Mm, not very often. It's niche. Do you game. think 60 attack speed is quite good? You get 40 from yeah. the base item, so that's 100 mm -hmm. attack speed. Do you, is this good enough to use now? I mean, it also gives spell life steal when you use Phantom Province, which is the active, right? Does it? Yeah, Phantom Province attacks are now affected by spell life steal. Well, no, I don't think it inherently gives spell lifesteal. It just says if you have spell lifesteal, it works with this. Oh, now. right. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. So I, I think in some edge cases, I don't really know who exactly that benefits, to be honest. So I, yeah, I the have 60 a, attack speed's pretty good. I mean, that's it definitely is. a big, that's a buff. I think this item is still really weird, and I don't like the concept. Or the, I mm. shouldn't say the concept. I don't like the direction that they're taking. It's like they're trying not to copy Harkin's Blade, and they just made a worse version. Like, what's the point? <laughs> Like, I think the thing that's holding it back is that it is a X amount of attacks once you activate. That's weird. I find that to be really weird. I mean, I, I think the thing that mainly holds it back is the price range, right? Like, it's just extremely expensive. So you're inherently always going to compare it to Scotty, Satanic, Butterfly, you know, these items. Which, again, makes this That means it's not good enough. The, the primary way this has been bought has been against heroes with mega high armor, right? Like people would buy this against Terrorblade to try to combat the armor, which is an interesting edge case where you can do something like this. But yeah, it's. I also think to an extent it's a bit on the players to be more creative. I think this item is good more often than it's bought, but it's not on people's radar because it is an edge case item. So there's only. In like the player pool, even in High Immortal on a pro level, there's like a subset of players that are very creative and innovate new stuff. There's a lot of people that kind of just follow the follow the trends, right? Mm -hmm. um, this is an item that you look at an item like this and you're like, this is an item Topson will buy on 20 different heroes <laughs> and figure out who it's good on. And then That's there's true. like a hundred pro players that won't touch it. Well, that the right? only reason so, for that is because he buys E-Blade on every fucking hero. Let's be real, right? All right? But he's a really creative player. <laughs> And I think this item is a creative item that is insane in some situations on some heroes and some games, but you need to get the idea, and that's what's hard. Because Dota is an extremely deep and complex game, so a lot of the times people follow, not necessarily to the T to the a recipe for what to do, but like they have like an overall like idea of, okay, I play this hero against this stuff, this is what I'll usually do, and then they just do that, right? Mm -hmm. But um, yeah... I think it would be cool if this item was picked up more, and I think the way to make it more accessible is to make it cheaper and weaker. Um, but we'll see if that's how it ends up. But the 60 attack speed, I mean, it's just an overall flat-out buff, right? So it's just a yep. better item. I'm so interested we'll to see if people more. pick this up now. Uh, final honorable mention here. Solar Crest got a bit better. I'm happy to see that. I love the item by design. I think it's been gone for a while. It gives plus one all attributes, five more move speed. It adds up with other items getting nerfed. And then finally, Wraithband, the overall biggest outlier together with Mango of this patch to such an extent that carries 
that our strength started buying wraith bands because it was that good lost one attack speed or two attack speed min minute 25. I still think wraith band is overpowered. I think it needed to lose armor. I think that's what makes this item so broken. Mm. And the fact that it still has its full armor, I think until the next patch, you're going to see carries buying this even if they aren't agile. It's just incredible value how much armor this gives for what it costs. It's insane EHP, uh, and it only gets better minute 25. So, um, yeah, I would have liked it to keep the attack speed but lose some armor, but at least it got nerfed, so it's something. Okay, heroes. Um, Abaddon of... is going to be a better body in uh, AA. Yeah, Base attack so time from 1.7 like... to 1.5. That's interesting. This is one of those patches. I mean, it is an E patch, right? So a lot of the stuff will just be like one-liners, yeah. small things. We don't need to, um, again, just pick out the ones that you think are interesting, if any. Yeah. So at attack modifiers are always, or that's the wrong term for this, but every time base attack time or backswing or cast animations gets changed, that's interesting. But yeah. I think for the purpose of this patch, I think I just want to mainly look over the major outliers, right? The heroes that were just way too popular at the major. Mm -hmm. uh, so Batrider was one of them. He got five more mana cost on Napalm, uh, which was the only nerf to the hero. It's a pretty big nerf. It's 25% more mana cost in his primary spell. This is going to hurt. Um, I think it's a pretty good way to nerf the hero. Maybe also forcing him in a direction where you can't necessarily just rush travels and feel like you have infinite mana in fights and for farming. So I think this is pretty good. Uh, Broodmother. Longer charge re uh, restore time on Ags. Uh, I personally think it should be reworked because I hate these mechanics. I hate mines in Dota, but that's you know <laughs> personal preference. <laughs> um, and a big nerf to spin web on levels one and two in particular. So Brute is more accessible in lane. It has a lot less move speed. It went from 18% to 10 on level one, which effectively means that a Brute showing up in a web has about the same move speed as heroes that just have high base move speed. So a lot of supports, a lot of heroes that by wind lace can just stay on top of Brute and not get outrun, can pressure her more in lane. Uh, I still think conceptually, though, the hero is really a powerful, but you tie this in with the fact that one of the main popular items that made Brute so good, Greaves, also got nerfed. The, the, the nerfs add up, so I'm holding my judgment, but I still think this hero is very good. Alright, this hero, um, we did see it a few times, I just have to mention of course, Centaur, Hitch a Ride, Cinderin. <laughs> uh, when you hitch somebody, you now both gain the Stampede buff, and the cooldown has been reduced from 45 to 30 seconds. Does this make it good? Because I tried it, it today. It way better. It's way better. I don't know if it's good yet. Even though we saw fucking collapse bite every game, but it felt like he was buying it as a meme. Mm. But you still. So the weird thing before is like, you know, if you want to initiate with it, you stampede, then you yeah. hitch, then you go, or you hitch and then stampede, whatever. Now yeah. you don't have to do that. I mean, the blink and then run out, you have to stampede before. So every scenario before, you wanted to cast stampede. Now this you get is a it huge for free. buff. You just, just get a free ult for yourself. It's, it's really good. Yeah, it's quite good. I was and the CDR theory is crafting meaningful. this. Maybe it's dependent on the heroes that are picked to be able to hitch onto. But I was trying to think of a way. Maybe you can make this work as like a third item. Just generally, yeah, you get like I some so. tank item, phase boots, blink, and then this. I could see it. It's definitely good. Um, oh, good. I thought you were going to call see. me a moron. Excellent. Thank no, you. I, I think Thank it's you. Good. This, this to me is a, a complete game changer for that axe. It went from being 
pretty bad in my opinion to being mostly good. So um let's see what else is worth highlighting. DP lost some strength and int gain, not too much, so she's still gonna be good, but a bit weaker. Drow was one of the big carries. She loses a bit on her um or she actually maybe one of the biggest nerfs of the patch, probably. Marksmanship yeah, only grants allied heroes half the bonus agility. Um, that's pretty big. Yeah. Because a huge part of why this hero is so powerful is that every time she is safe with marksmanship, all of her allies that are ranged have a lot more armor. So it's like, a, it's like kind of a hidden thing about Drow that people don't think about too much, but the EHP of your lineup's ranged heroes goes up massively when Drow is free in the fight. That's why it's so important. A lot of the time at a pro level, people specifically counterpick Drow, not necessarily in ways that kill her, but just ways that put something next to her in the fight, so that the aura is gone. That's why people started counterpicking Drow with Brewmaster, just so they could run the Earth Brew next to Drow and lose marksmanship. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, very yeah, powerful. That's a big own. one. Um, who else? Lena, obviously the biggest talk of the town for this patch, gets multiple nerfs. Dragon Slave cooldown goes from 9 on all levels to a descending 12 minus 1 per second. So on level 4, it's the same, but it means if you want to keep your Dragon Slave active, uh, yeah, you need to just max it. Punishing the, I mean, Rubik is a better it, counter now, right? Because you have to level this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, pun you're punishing the carry style, right? Yeah. Light Strike Array has more mana cost. It's max, it's 115 on all levels now. And Fiery Soul stacks are weaker. So every aspect of Carolina gets nerfed here. Uh, she also loses 100 health on her 15 talent, which was completely bonkers on this hero. Getting 350 health on level 15 is down to 250. Uh, I would like to see this talent completely reworked. I don't think flat health talents on uh, some of these ranged int heroes is particularly interesting. I don't yeah. think health talents thought, in general are interesting. I thought we but... would be done with all stat based talents actually yeah. by now it's hard though there's like you can only be so creative right but i i do think in an ideal scenario every talent influences something about your spells i don't think that's I true think I, I okay not to be that guy ability arena i'm mm. not saying it's any it's more complex than dota but like we came up with new versions for every single spell so the talents you can right. definitely be creative you can do whatever the fuck you want absolutely i of course you can but the the I guess what I'm trying to say here is it's hard to brute force this onto every hero and make all the talents interesting and good and fair, right? Because that's one of the things in something like Ability Arena is that the game inherently has some completely insane mechanics, which means that a lot of things fly better in that game than it does mm. in regular Dota, I think. So it's the stuff you can and can't do. But I, I would agree uh, that it, it should be possible, but it probably will take more well, At least she doesn't have her respawn talent still. That's true. Respawn talents. Good thing we're... Minus 42nd, um, I believe, on Lena back in the day. It was classic. 30 on level 10, which was absurd. Mm. She basically instant respawned. It was so stupid. <laughs> um, Nature's Prophet, one of the big pet heroes of the patch as well, loses stat gains and base agi. Yep. So he loses 2 agi and 0.2 per level, and he loses 0.2 int per level. Still and S tier. And Wrath of Nature does less damage on level 1 and 2. Um, Biggest nerf, though, is the 20 talent. Would, I, would you agree with that? Yeah, so the Sprout Leash talent no longer pierces spell immunity is definitely... I never good. understood I mean, why it did. Was... Why did it go through BKB? It makes no sense. Because Leash is... Wait, it, it's just because when you apply the status to someone, if it applies the status in a, in a radius, it's like an aura, right? It, it was just weird. It made sense that it did what it did, but it was broken. 
I mean, I personally think this talent should just be reworked. Um, yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, the fact that it doesn't pierce spell immunity is definitely a step in the right direction, but I don't know, man. The whole sprout leash I just find kind of messed up. I, I think some of the heroes that this was biggest for, aside from BKB, obviously Pangolier can now roll safely against Nature's Prophet. Yep. We saw one or two moments at the Major where Pango and Roll just get sprouted and dies. <laughs> Can't do fucking anything. That's yeah, a fucking huge boulder gets stopped by a few trees. <laughs> yeah, break. It's, it's pretty weird. Um, Pango loses damage on Shield Crash. He was also one of the bigger-ish heroes. Puck loses damage on Waning Rift. Small nerf, but still a nerf. I don't know if that's really justified the, the hero started getting some love in the major but i don't think it was like one of the biggest ones but it's okay uh, Quop gets two base damage she needs some love that's fine um yeah ricky Tia gets two strength i think that's actually probably bigger than people will give it credit for this hero i think was already pretty good two flat strength on an agi hero is is really big she's a much better laner now what do you um, think about Dart? That got pretty oh, heavily Dart, nerfed. You're right, of course. Yeah, Dart got giga nerfed. Loses 400 cast range and gains three second cooldown. I mean, I was gonna say good riddance, but we're not rid of it. Um, yeah, this I, spell I don't needed major nerfs. Wait, right, what do you think, think of the hero as a support? Like conceptually, do you want this hero to be support? It feels weird to me still. I don't. I don't really mind it, but it's. Because Ricky has been a support in the past as well, right? It's just with Dart, it just became almost exclusively a support. It's always felt weird to me that it was support, even. I, I personally that didn't start into like, like TI 6-ish time. I would like him to be better a as a core than he is without killing him as support. And I think that's really hard. It is hard. Um, yeah. It's really hard to do. But th this Dart nerf is definitely justified no matter how you look at it. So, um. Triant loses some armor on living armor. This hero is also very big at the major. He loses two armor on all levels on that spell. The fact that you could just throw this on an ally level one and give them six armor globally, it's pretty insane when you think about it. So good mm -hmm. nerf. Uh, Undying gets some nerfs. Decay steel lasts shorter and soul rip is more expensive. Uh, and the level 10 decay damage taunt gets cut by a bit. This hero was one of the supports of the major. His laning gets nerfed. It's fine. That's that's pretty much it. Those are the biggest changes. I would disagree I mean, with that, actually, Sundaran. What? Would you like to know oh. the biggest change in this patch oh, that I see. nobody is talking about? Okay. I'm, it's the biggest change of 7.32, and nobody's mm -hmm. talking about it. Okay. Nobody's angry. Mm -hmm. I haven't checked Reddit recently. I'm assuming nobody's angry <laughs> about this. Okay. Why don't you scroll down a little bit and let's read a little mm -hmm. something in the fixes area. Clicking mm -hmm. on enemies via the top bar during a game will show their last seen location and inventory state. That's right. Let's talk about this briefly. First of all, before I go off on a fucking rant, mm -hmm. I'm fine with this change. Okay? I don't want to seem like I don't like this change. This is being talked about, by the way. That's right. But it's, is, Wait, okay. is it being talked about? Yeah. Okay, I don't care. I'm going to pretend that you didn't say that. Nobody's talking about this change. Okay, right. I like it. You click on the top bar, and you can just see what people's items are, basically, without needing mm -hmm. to see them in vision. Of course, it's not updated. Mm -hmm. The reason I'm getting tilted 
Even though I shouldn't be because apparently people are getting angry about this and it destroys my entire rant to begin with. But again, pretending... Let's continue. Mm -hmm. The change that I have been wanting for 10 years, which is mana bars, seeing them on enemy heroes, is far less impactful than this. Would you agree with that? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, the answer is yes, Cinderin. Uh, yes. All right, hold on. I need to check Reddit. Is there actually a thread on this shit? Oh, the most uploaded thread on Reddit right now says, why can't we see enemy mana bars? <laughs> Wait, is there actually a thread on this? No, see. not on mana bars, so, but there's a thread on this change. Or at right, least a discussion where, about it. Maybe it, was it? A, maybe it was a comment. How uploaded? A comment? That's it. it? There's no thread? It was being discussed, at least, by a lot of people. What is that? A lot of people? You said one comment. How is that a lot of people? Dude, I... I don't remember. I browsed Reddit and I saw it being talked about. So I just wanted to point out you aren't the only person in the world that noticed. And a lot of people All thought right. it was important. This is actually the biggest Way change, though, by far. Like, it's huge. This yeah. is such a big deal. So the change that this reminds me of is the timer on Aegis when you click enemy heroes, right? It's like, it's the same overall design direction where you want information to be more readily available to players that don't see everything all the time so this kind of lowers the skill ceiling on certain aspects of the game and then it's up for discussion whether those should be as important skills for a player as they have been one mm -hmm. of the really important skills of players at a very high level you'll see this a lot when you watch high mmr streams or when you watch pro dota players click shit on the map all the time they will every time they're farming a creep camp every time they're not doing something integral they will stay up to date with what enemy heroes have because yes. every time they come into vision, they have to see if there's new items. They have to see, uh, yeah, I mean, basically that, right? They need to do a, a status check on, on items and on health and mana. Um, with this change, you don't need to click enemy heroes as frequently. You can just, you will have a snapshot of what was available to you at the time. And the most crucial thing about this is from my understanding, you don't even need to ever have the camera on it. It just tells you the last time they were somewhere before fog. That's correct. Right? That's correct. So it means that at any given point during the game, you can now obtain the information about the last possible information you could have had if you were good. Mm -hmm. You now get that served for free um, by clicking up there. So you can see item progression, basically. Do I think this is a good or a bad change? Uh... I'm kind of indifferent, honestly. I think really? similar to the I'm similar shocked. to the yeah similar to the ages change is like wow. I th I think the the pros and cons. Of, okay, so let me. Hmm. I actually think I kind of need to wrap my head around how important this is going to be, and I'm mainly thinking about it from pro level, right? So right now there is a bug that people are mentioning. This I would consider this a bug. When, when one With illusions, it, yeah, when an illusion hero is in vision, you click their bar and it goes to them, so you know which one's real. That's yeah, obviously that's, a bug. That's that, gonna that's get fixed. Bug. That will get fixed. That's, that's not part of no this. Way. That's not okay. Um, um, wait. So when you click it, it also oh yeah, because the camera goes to the last place you saw them. Right, but if they're in vision, you click them and it yeah. goes to them, which is in vision. It goes to them in vision. Yes. Okay. Um. I think this it, has less really impact big I on... I need to wrap my head around what I actually think about this. This has cause... more impact on pubs than it does pro play, although it does have impact yeah. on pro play, but not as much, I would say. But then again, you could say, even though 
they are keeping track of items better than they are in pubs. Just having a little bit more information goes a long way for pros as well. So it actually could go both ways. Yeah, I do think this will this will influence pro play as well. It will. Um, but again, the higher the level, the less this impacts it, I would argue, because players at that level are better at staying up to date with what is going on in the game and clicking heroes when they show on the map. Uh, but it's just like a little bit of a burden off the player's shoulders effectively with doing that upkeep. Um, and worth remembering is when you click and it shows where the player was seen last, it doesn't show when. So it doesn't like exactly help you pinpoint where they would be in fog now, right? You, right. It's not like there's a timer over their head that says last seen 6.15 p.m. at Starbucks. You know, it's not like that. It's just their camera just goes there. So um, my question is, what prompted this? That's what I'm interested in. Yeah, I don't know. What's the what's the reason? I think nobody that I know has asked for this, including you. And a lot of the stuff that you <laughs> asked for is like quality of life stuff with mana oh, bars. I'm going to say it's stupid ass yeah. shit. No. <laughs> my my question: Why did they put this at the bottom? Like they're trying to hide it. When this, I mean, would you agree this, this is, is the a, biggest change of the patch? Like legitimately, it's a really big change. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I I would agree that it takes. I tried it in game today, and I cannot yeah. believe like it is a huge quality of life you could argue it's worse for the game or better you could argue yeah. like i mean the whole quality of life like the pro quality of life side which is usually me is like you know there's there's a lot of these uh instances of mechanics in the game that require this artificial ceiling like this mm -hmm. artificial skill cap if you will that doesn't really matter for like the game's enjoyment or the actual like skill of the game itself like this is one of those, theoretically, I never thought about this because I thought that would be too OP. Again, I think this is far less impactful than seeing mana bars. Because we talked about like the equivalent of mana bars with HP, the segmented bars that they added in Dota 2, which literally, if you look at the, the, the ticks in the health bar, you can tell how much HP somebody has. That's a big deal. That was never a thing uh, in Dota 1. But Okay, just a side thought. Does this in any way impact cheats? Is that a reason to put this in the game? Is to give cheaters less of some sort of edge that they would have so had in the Everybody past? is cheating. <laughs> no. So I mean, obviously the fog is still fog. It's just that's the that's the one thing that just came to mind for me is that if this somehow is a way of combating cheaters for the benefit of everyone. I mean, I'm always for that, right? Uh, but I'm just again, I'm trying to find the motivation for this, right? Like, what was the reason anybody yeah, yeah. even thought of this to begin with when it's such an integral part of the game? Um, I, I think an edge case about this in pro play is a lot of the times big moments get caused by surprise reveals, right? Of like a blink dagger that yeah. nobody has seen. Um, sometimes the person that has that surprise blink has cleared a creep wave with just going into mid, casting their spells, yeah, really and then quickly. fogging again. Yeah. And nobody has clicked them in that time window. Yeah. But now for the next two minutes, somebody will click them but and see that they even have Even better, so, let's say you're Shopify, Abed, he's playing Zeus. Like, hey, what? do you think this guy has this item yet? Oh, you can just fucking ult and we'll know. Okay, thanks for the item update, Abed. Get back to you in a couple minutes with a new update. <laughs> <laughs> like... That's true. It's crazy. You, yeah. It's crazy. Even if you couldn't click them, yeah, if it was humanly impossible to click all the players in time of the vision you have, that's right. You get a full-on item update by... I, I don't think it's going to be used like that, but it's a fair point that certain spells that give enemy hero vision will, uh, will just live update their inventory for you. Um, I don't know. I, 
again, I, I think this is one of those things where I think there's some drawbacks, but maybe the pros are just too impactful compared to the cons with like helping uh, more casual players stay a bit more in tune with the game and having it feel a little less overwhelming on more of a casual level with keeping up with everything and yeah. understanding what's going on. Because I, I think that is where this does the most good is at lower levels and for beginners. That's mm-hmm. very good for them. But <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I'm curious. I, I haven't seen any outrage from pros yet, right? And I feel like when stuff happens that they really don't like to the game, they are not afraid to speak up. Um, Soxa tweeted more or less instantly after the patch came out that it was pathetic. So <laughs> he's not afraid of speaking up. Uh, <laughs> that was literally his tweet. Pathetic patch. Not enough changes, you know? This is like, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if he read all the way. That's a pretty fucking big change. Yeah, I, I could literally argue this is the biggest change of seven point three two in general. Any of the patches. Yeah, but you know, it, it's it's tr- maybe the pros didn't re- realize. Maybe they haven't processed yet. Maybe they haven't identified well, what they uses didn't this just. Has, they couldn't like, maybe just not scroll down because it's fucking hidden in the bug very, fixes section. Very possible. Yeah, it's not a bug fix. <laughs> it's just randomly. It <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, okay, we talked about that enough. What are your thoughts on yeah. the patch overall? Because obviously the general consensus is people were upset that this wasn't mm-hmm. a bigger patch. We wanted a big yeah. patch, obviously. It's not going to be till late April. I guess we failed to mention that, yeah. uh, which so, I believe is before the next major, right? Yeah, so let's try to wrap this up, right? So first of all, I think for an e-patch, this is completely fine. For what it is trying to be, this is reasonable. E-patches generally have small item changes, small hero changes, stuff like that. Completely fine. Peace be with that. I think the new hero looks super cool. I love the design like I talked about, so I'm happy with that. I think the chest is good. I think the system of buying with shards is good. So there's a lot of pros about this patch for me. The biggest con overall, which kind of trumps a lot of the stuff, unfortunately, is the way this is communicated. I think it was just really poorly managed. Mm. So... All of the stuff in here is nice. It's it's a good patch. But the problem is that people's expectations and the way this was built up was that there was going to be... You know, they said they would unveil the patch on March 6th, which they did. Um, but it was meant to... Um, they also said that in the blog post, I believe, that they were expecting to launch the big patch for March 6th, but it wasn't finished um, in time. And you know what my take is on stuff like this? I've talked about it with video games in general. I don't mind games getting delayed. I would rather have a game delayed and then polished when it comes out than rushed and bugged or poor, right? So I don't have a problem with this being delayed. What I do have a problem with is that it doesn't get announced until on the day. There is no way that Valve don't know weeks ago that they're not going to meet this deadline if the patch is supposed to be huge and they need to push it by a month and a half, okay? Then mm-hmm. they knew a long time ago this wasn't be, wouldn't be ready. <clears throat> Just be honest with your community, right? Like your backlash isn't going to be bigger if you tell them in advance that it won't be ready. Then people won't take days off or take vacation or you know get super hyped for a patch that then drops and it's a disappointment. It's that disconnect that pisses people off. I think people. I'm not going to say everyone will because I know the Dota community. People are not going to be understanding either way, okay? But they will be. They will cut you more slack if you tell them in advance so they can make their plans accordingly and just well, say, this is... you know what, guys? We're making a huge fucking patch. It's more work than we thought. We're also working on CS 2.0. There's a lot of shit going on <laughs> at Valve right now. We cannot meet this deadline. You will get Muerta. We promise you. You'll get this. You'll get a balanced patch, but the big patch comes out in April. If they told us that in February, I think this backlash would have been half as big. Right? Like, 
I, I just can't see the downside to doing it that way. The downside like is this, people, you don't... Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it before, the way that Valve is <clears throat> put together, their infrastructure, mm -hmm. it doesn't... It's not... Uh, it doesn't make sense to have a community manager to them, even though everybody in the community would want one, right? Because right. that's literally their job is to take the bullets for you. They would have communicated this weeks ago. I don't know when, like maybe they were close. I, I don't know if I agree with you on, I can't believe I'm doing this, playing the other side now. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily know that they won't come out with the patch weeks ago. Like there's so many variables to take into account. I have no idea. Again, I've only done, I've only made games on a small scale. Sometimes you, something big fucks up. Sometimes people leave your mm -hmm. team, whatever the case may be. The thing that, I agree with everything you said, though. Obviously, they should have said something. I think it was a big red flag that no announcement was at the major itself, which now, in mm -hmm. hindsight, makes sense why there was nothing. Because if they announced something and it was this update, people would have been even more pissed, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but, I don't know. In the end, it's. I think I'm starting to come to a realization that Dota is not like the top priority at Valve. I, I mean, assume that... I mean, not I'm, a surprise. It's not a surprise, but it's like it's finally sinking in. You know, like we've talked mm -hmm. about it, but it's finally actually sinking in that the updates they just can't handle big updates with the amount of people they have in the time that people would want them. So that's I think that's just going to be the reality going forward. And maybe the time that they it ramps up is before TI because that's mm -hmm. when all the money is made. But a lot of the interest I think is to other games, uh, which I just, is obviously sad. Well, it's exciting your on some side. Is a bit, I guess your perspective is a bit different now that you game dev yourself, right? I just, again, I just can't, I can't buy that you need to delay something by two months and you don't know two weeks before launch that you mm. have to delay it. Yeah, right? two like weeks, that sure. That is hard for me no, to... I agree. Because, like, if they had to push this patch, if they're like, sorry, it's not <laughs> ready yet, it's coming out in two weeks, I would be like, okay, I mean, I could see that, you know, maybe some complications arose or you have some issues you didn't realize or it was more work than you thought and you need some extra time. Fair enough. But like, if you need to push the patch two months, there's no way you didn't know this in February, right? Like, surely. Or the way they work is just very, I don't know, it's hard to wrap my head around, but I, I know they have a very different workflow and the way they assign or not assign, rather, uh, employees to do stuff can probably make it a bit complicated to to really make accurate deadlines for yourselves. Mm. But I think if you've made a preliminary one, you should be able to tell that it's just not realistic that you meet this a bit before and then let the community know. Because again, I think, yeah, it, it's, the, it's the disconnect. And you say there's no community manager, which there isn't, but whoever wrote the blog post for this one, right? I don't know who they assign who writes the blog post, but whoever wrote this one could have written the other one. Right, could have written. Yep. Things are taking longer because in that one in is literally end, like two sentences. In the end, the communication is the same. Like they're conveying the same information. It just happens at a worse time. Yeah. So that's true. That that's my main criticism overall, and I think it's a bit of a shame because actually, as an e patch, this is a pretty good patch, but it just completely, from the community standpoint, gets overshadowed by the overall hype that they have built, and also, in fairness, probably kind of echo chambered itself into being mega hyped about a patch that they technically didn't know was going to be huge um, at the time, but they were hoping would. Uh, and well, the way it was presented led I, them to think that. I, right? I can't, like the community, I can understand why, because we're part of that, why they would jump to conclusions. Because if a new hero is coming out, which it was confirmed, basically, yeah. 
it's never has there ever been one that's come out with an like an e-patch before <laughs> like isn't it always like a big patch don't think so yeah most that's new what makes this odd. not all are yeah but again i mean clearly this wasn't <clears throat> planned right so it's not like so, valve are like i will say this though deceiving people no, but no no it's just like outside of the the terrible communication which again is just like might as well call valve by a pseudonym terrible communication Outside of that, I do like that they at least came out with this update instead of holding it for another month because for sure. Hero's going to be fun. Uh, yeah. Obviously, people like cosmetics and a little minigame action or whatever, and then the changes that make that freshen up the patch at least a little bit for the upcoming DPC Season 2. Could be worse, yeah. but yeah. I, no, I, I mean, outside of the dev stuff, absolutely agree that the communication can always be better, but that's, that's Valve for you, right? This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Uh, final thought, by the way, on them saying late April, which has the community concerned now, is that the major starts on April 26th. That sounds fucking so, great to me. Right before the major? So Fuck yeah. Yeah. So when they say late April, we both agree that this is way beyond the half mark of April, right? It's not going to be April 15th with Valve or April 16th. It's probably going to be 20th or later. Sure. So my concern is that they are like, internally they were like okay this is how much time we think we're going to need to finish this up and then they didn't consider the dpc schedule or for this one exception they don't give a fuck about it and they're going to drop it when it's ready sounds good it's to gonna me cost what it will sounds good um, to me fuck the my players take on that's patches awesome around dpc is that i think there should be two weeks at least before a major when a patch drops that is not possible with the schedule they've set so the concern that some people have is that this patch will be pushed again and will come out oh. after the Berlin major. I hope That's not. That's the concern. I hope not. And that would be May 5th or 6th, I think, the major ends in Berlin. Um, I mean, you could come out with this after group stages for all I care. Like, this fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, that the community, everybody in the community, more or less, all the fans, all the casters, we are hyped when random shit just comes out in the middle of tournaments. But for, for overall, like... This is the eternal discussion of, isn't it just a skill for who adapts the fastest? But I will just always feel like there's too much randomness involved if a patch drops in the middle of a tournament. That does not make the best team win. That makes a lucky team win that finds some sort of so weird I, interaction. I agree with you. I agree with you that that is technically true. Mm -hmm. But I would argue it's more important for viewers to enjoy their experience... And if there's a new huge patch right before a major, that is going to draw a lot of eyeballs. People are absolutely gonna, no doubt about that's it. I mean, better for, me, for the, the game overall. If Valve could somehow push this and make it a higher priority and make this come out, let's say middle April, that would be perfect. If it came out April fourteenth, I just don't see it happening with the wording they put. Like Valve don't do stuff early, right? Um, so, and and again, so this is. I wonder how big of a reason this patch ends up being delayed is CS 2.0, right? Because that's a pretty big talk. I'm sure you're following it more than I am because you're a bigger Counter-Strike fan than I am. But I'm assuming they're allocating quite a lot of resources to that. And knowing their company structure and their bonus incentive system for work, I think it's a lot more appealing 
for employees to work on Counter-Strike if possible, because that if that game comes out and is a hit, that will be a big bonus incentive in their wallet if they've worked on that and been a part of its success, right? Mm. It's effectively, even if it is the same game in a new packaging, it's still a new game and it will it will mean a lot. And CSGO is on a massive upward trajectory. <laughs> They're beating their all-time player record over and over again recently. Um, so that's so it's probably pretty hot for Valve right now to work on CS. Yeah, probably. Neon Prime as well, yeah. I'm sure. Okay, yeah. so that is that is the patch. Uh, we do have more topics. Are you fine to go through the rest of these topics, Cinderin? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, because I want I'd like to get through all of these this week. So okay. let's let's transition to some news from BTS. Uh, this was announced during the major itself that they're yeah. basically closing their doors completely, which was a big shock. Um, but they were pretty transparent about not, I mean, what they basically said was they could have tried to continue on to see if they maybe can turn the corner cause they just weren't making enough money, but they weren't okay with that in terms of, you know, the, from the worker standpoint, not knowing if they're going to get a paycheck or not. So what they're doing is they're just making sure that they can pay people their couple weeks severance and giving them a little extra time. So, uh, so that's good news for them. Not good news. Uh, good on them for doing that. But obviously a huge blow that BTS is actually no more. That's insane to me. Yeah. So effectively, I'm sure most people that listen to this podcast have watched something that BTS ran. But if you're very new to Dota and you still listen to our podcast, they were one of the biggest like tournament organizers and like... I don't know if you could call it, you can't really call it talent agencies, but there are people that were affiliated with BTS, like Gods and LD when he was a big caster. Um, for a while, OD Pixel was also working their events quite a lot. Um, yeah, they were one of, the, one of the cornerstones of Dota, effectively. And they were one of the only organizers that would regularly run stuff in SEA and NA. Even if it was just online stuff, they at least kept a little bit of breath of life in there. Uh, but... In the recent year, I want to say, they've phased out to do less and less and now obviously closing completely. I think BTS were hoping to run a major, which they were never assigned. I, if I'm guessing, uh, Valve probably chose a cheaper option. Um, BTS will, will <clears throat> ask for what things cost, is my experience. And running stuff in NA is expensive, so mm. it, it makes sense, right? Um, and it, it is a business and it is competition. and LD and Gods would probably not have accepted cutting corners like you called it, uh, as they show with their employees, but also with the quality of the product and the pricing. They probably, yeah, they probably just didn't get it. So they ran some really iconic series. They ran the Summit, which is probably the most famous Dota tournament that they run, um, which was like home Star Cup in StarCraft II. Effectively, all the players are playing from the BTS, BTS studios, and it's a lot more about the social life. There's still a tournament going on, there's also a shitload of fun content, players just hanging around on the couch, playing random video games on consoles, doing uh, stupid challenges, doing sports outside, whatever it is. Uh, one of the fan favorite tournaments of all time because you get to actually see the players do more than just play the video game. Um, also one of my favorite tournaments of all time to be at. It's very fun. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's a huge shame. Uh, lately, what BTS started doing was working with big YouTubers. I think they worked with... 
who was it? They worked with Germa. They worked with um, why is his name eluding me? Ludwig. Um, I think they did something with XQC as well. So hopefully that made them some good money and at least supported things for a bit. And they did Smash, um, the game. They didn't Smash. I mean, maybe they smashed, um, but not. I don't think so. Um, yeah, it sucks. Uh, that's all I can say. It's it's pretty. It's always sad to see like big iconic studios close down, but it seems like they have a very, a very reasonable approach uh, that I think a lot of companies maybe. It feels like a lot of the stories you hear nowadays, companies kind of get run into the ground, right? And I think they're trying to avoid that happening. So, yeah, I'm sure the it, pandemic it sucks, didn't help, really and uh, being U.S. based also didn't help. Honestly, uh, yeah, sad to see, but. We'll see if they come back to Dota, at least for LD. I mean, Gods has never left Dota, I guess. But yeah. for LD, I don't know. That's my planning. big question, Mark. Like, what are they going to do? This has been like their life for a decade and a half, right? Uh, it's going to be a big change. So, um, yeah, obviously didn't mention Merlini either. He was also one of the cornerstones of BTS, but he's been gone for a while. Um, Good old Merlini. Dota. But, yeah, um, I wonder what they're going to do. Like, because obviously they've dipped their feet into, um, into the production side of of YouTube and stuff. But if they're closing the company, I I don't know. Like, it's something I've thought about about myself as well, right? Like, what am I going to do if I stop working in Dota? I, I don't personally have a plan. I don't have like, okay. Oh, we know if that. Valve, <laughs> if Valve kills Dota tomorrow, yeah. I mean, what are you gonna do? I, mean, I can make games, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's where I'm at, right? I'm like, yeah, I guess I could do this, but I don't have like, okay, here's my plan. Oh, if okay. Dota dies, I'm definitely going back to uni and finishing my master's degree, and then I'm going to be a teacher, you know? Like, I don't have some sort of exact plan for what I'm going to do. I'm sure I'll find something. We have a lot of work experience, right? And being on camera is a, a really valuable Why skill. Why don't you just become a League of Legends work, caster? I mean, maybe that's what we would do, right? Maybe we would look for another game to work in, but for, for LD and Gods, I don't know. LD hasn't been casting for years, right? L aside from like Cinderin. a little... We can do Neon Prime. Here let's, let's be the True. next Neon Prime casters. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm genuinely just wondering what they're going to do, right? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm sure that'll not something yeah. at some point. But anyway, I'm curious that's the news for BTS. Very yeah. sad indeed. Uh, okay, next. You're going to have to turn on your stream for this one, Cinderin. I have it on. Uh, Ability, Arena Ability Arena Season 5 has come out uh, with new Battle Pass and a bunch of new gods, which I'm just going to go through the gods, if you don't mind, Cinderin, uh, along with a few of the things in the Battle Pass. Mm -hmm. uh, the patch today actually broke every single custom game. <laughs> Literally oh. broke the entire arcade. But nice. luckily, I emailed Valve, and they responded within 10 fucking minutes. Can you believe that? Wow. 10 minutes, and then they fixed it within an hour. So thank you, Valve. That's actually incredible. Very nice. Uh, so a couple new arenas. Uh, this one is Two Fort, so TF2 Arena. The guy that makes our arenas is, like, one of the most talented people I've ever worked with. He is so fucking good at everything he does. So that is Two Fort, Cinderin, just for you. Can you recognize this mm -hmm. one? Uh, are you kidding me? Wait, show me, show me two fort again. Not two fort, okay. There's a bit of delay, obviously. Okay, I'm not asking if you. I already told you this is two fort, so that's 
Yeah, I don't know where this is from, though. What do you mean? This is the middle of... So, you played two fort? No. <laughs> what the fuck? What is this conversation I'm having right now? <laughs> Alright, so let me rephrase this. Two fort is... <laughs> Two Fort is the most popular and most iconic map in TF2. So you just haven't played okay. TF2, basically. I have never played TF2. <laughs> so you're like showing me this map. I'm, like, I'm okay. sorry. I, I thought I, I was talking to somebody. Fort. I don't know if this is a reference to something or I, I don't know, man. You know? Anyway, this is an iconic I've map never played it. in TF2. Okay. Right, this second that one. That's nice. That reminds me of Two Fort that good. from Team Fortress does, 2. That's good. Does this look like anything to you? Oh. Are you kidding me, Cinderin? It's Portal. Okay, thank you. Okay. So we it's have my a, favorite movie. I watch it all the time. We have, <laughs> we have a Portal arena now. Yeah, uh, nice. And do you recognize this one by any chance? Delay. Yeah, that's fine. Here it comes. Oh. Can you name that arena? <laughs> If you get, Did you get permission to do this? No. If you get the level 1000 battle pass, which has never been done, your arena will literally be a zoomed-in version of Gaben's fucking face. It looks horrifying. I told the guy that made it, which is the same guy that made the beautiful other arenas, that if he takes more than five minutes of work on... If he puts in more than five minutes of work, he's fired. So he put in okay. two minutes. So right. that is the Gaben arena. So, good luck to everybody <laughs> It looks like you're just going to fall off. Yeah, exactly. That's the beauty of it. There's no edges. Uh, something that we added to the battle pass, a new thing here. Uh, you'll recognize this from kind of like Hearthstone Center. It's called Click Effects. So, if you just click anywhere in an arena, oh. it'll make like a little particle effect, like dust coming up. And then you know the more you... Uh, instantly? What? Black and white. Yep, that's true. One of the... Probably still, I don't know. You know, I'm there was a. Did you things. see our all? Impressive video games of all time. Did you say? Was, did you see our all today? It was like literally top of the entire Reddit saying, "We need the, a new black and white." Yeah, pretty crazy. Someone pointed out. I think I actually had this conversation with Susie as well. She was like, "This game would be cool in VR," and somebody said that in the comments. Well, I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Hmm. Like, black and white is literally made around gesturing with your mouse to... Beat the shit out of your monkeys ...and tell yeah. your pet what to do. Yeah. That game would be insane in VR. Yeah, that's um, true. That's fair. If black and white announced a new game, I would be... That is about as hyped as I could get for a video so game. So you're going to become... That's, they, that's your next job, then. You'll be a caster for black and white. So I'm yeah, spanking really my monkey again, today. No. Right there. Very nice. Thank you, uh, Okay, so the, the last thing is the seven... <laughs> The seven new gods that we added, Cinderin. Yeah. I'll briefly explain them. I'll put the pictures up for you to enjoy. Uh, Primal Beast can barely fit into the frame. Uh, so this concept was the third place winner for uh, the Cardsmith contest made by October. Uh, pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Economy God, you click the button. It shakes up the shop, and there's a percentage chance that it re-rolls a, like, uh, a spell. Percentage chance that it lowers the cost of a spell. And a percentage chance that it just deletes the spell from your shop entirely. So you click it once per round. So economy gods are fun uh, if you're really good at the game. 
This one mm -hmm. is a very easy to play economy god, so that's why I think right. he was important to add, actually. So this is a cool god. I like him. Mm -hmm. uh, next is very overpowered and will be nerfed very shortly. Dr. Kleiner has made it to the game. Uh, he has two skills. One is every time... Like, you cannot re-roll the shop manually. That's the disadvantage. Right. But every time you buy a spell, uh, it re-rolls the shop for you. So you're forced to buy a spell every time. And then if you sell spells, when you get to certain thresholds, it just adds int to your whole team. So you can go for, like, mm -hmm. int carries, or just give, like, if you go for a five-man int lineup, you're just giving damage to all your heroes. So pretty cool concept. People really like the re-roll aspect. This was the second-place winner. Mm -hmm. uh, Pio Romero, I believe. Second place for Cardsmith Contest. So that's in the game. Next is Roshan, who is in the Battle Pass. Okay. You click a hero, and they become Roshan. And his, <laughs> his stats and health and all that stuff just goes up every round. Like, round 25 or 30, whatever, he, get, he like has 5,000 health. He gets huge, okay? Okay. But you put skills on the hero, right? Mm -hmm. But the skills are not transferred to Rosh at all. But the reason you put spells on him is because he has four skills. And they take these points of the spells that you have on him to I increase see. the levels of his own. And because he has four skills, it's actually on each slot the skill is associated with. So the first mm -hmm. slot is uh, spell block. Second mm -hmm. slot is bash. Third slot is his like slam. And slam. fourth slot is Aegis. So as you get the points into the spells, you can actually mix and match and choose which one you're upgrading for that round. I see. And his upgrades are not three are not three six nine. They're one four seven. Okay. So okay. just as an example of what you get for the level seven spells, which is the max uh, spell block, it's a five second cooldown, which gets lowered, and it becomes basically a lotus. So it reflects spells on mm -hmm. a five second cooldown. The bash. Every time you bash somebody, it bashes literally every enemy in the enemy team. The level 7 okay. for the slam, it increases the AoE pretty dramatically, and it takes 20% or 15% attributes from everybody, so like a whirling death to the whole team. And the Aegis, uh, as you upgrade it, just increases the values, of course, but the level 7 will, the first, it's basically Wraith King Ags, where it delays death on... Mm -hmm. The first two people that die on your team by four seconds. So okay. the idea is you put spells on this here that you can't use because it's upgrading Roshan skills. So you're choosing, in theory, skills that nobody else is buying. Mm -hmm. But then if you upgrade something, it's an interesting decision. Like you have a level seven spell, but you see two more in the shop. You're like, do I get this to Gaben? And then put it on somebody else and put a new skill on Rosh? So a lot of cool right. decision making. Very unique god. And you get to play fucking Rosh. So... This sounds really good, actually. He's going to get buffed. He's quite weak, right? <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't know the numbers, right, of how... But conceptually, he's very... Like, conceptually, cool. he sounds like a strong god. Yeah. Uh, next is Medic, which is part of the Battle Pass as well. This is our first healing-related god. So you select a unit, and when you... So there's two aspects to this. When you heal your allies a certain amount, they gain a short burst of magic immunity, spell immunity, but okay. very short. And then the other part is when you uh, 
also heal a certain threshold, you gain stacks of damage amp. So your magic and physical amp are, they go up, but they're, it's like a, uh, the buff is not stacking. It's, what's it called? Each stack is independent. Does that make sense? So it'll go down yep. eventually. Yep. yep, yep. So the idea is the guy you click with the uber charge is like, you have hand of God, but he can be your right clicker. So it like makes an interesting, like you're making an interesting, uh, what's the right way to put this? You're putting different skills on your carry theoretically, or mm -hmm. you can play them as a magic damage. Like there's different ways to play them, of course, but the idea mm -hmm. behind it is that you put a bunch of healing and then you get attack speed on this guy and he just does a shit ton of damage, which is cool. Right. So that is medic. We got three more. Cinderin? Mm-hmm. Brewmaster. Oh, he's back. Wonderful. We remade him four times. Yep. And now that he's was good. the most broken god you have ever had. Now he's fun and cool. Okay. So you get four brewling states, and then you click on a hero, and they become the brewling. That's the difference. That's not the version you played. Mm -hmm. So if you're the Earth Panda, <clears throat> it makes you melee. You gain his hurling boulder skill, which scales with shop level. And you gain attack damage. We actually made demolish attack damage instead. Okay. And then you gain all your additional skills as well. So it's not like Roche. You're gaining these abilities in addition to the ones that you put on the hero. So Fire Panda, for example, you get status resist, which apparently is a thing with that, here, with that Fire Panda, which I didn't know. And you gain the Immolation Aura. Mm -hmm. The Storm Panda, you gain all three of his skills, which scale with shop level. Oh, you get AoE Dispel. You get AoE Dispel, you get Tornado, and you get the Invis, which you Damn, use with extra damage. This, this is this the game. weakest one right now, but we'll be actually buffing him. Um, and his skills cost zero mana for that. That's the one benefit, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then the final one is the strongest one right now is the Void Panda, which gives you the AoE Disarm and 40% magic resist at the highest level, which is part of oh, the wow. Void Panda, by the way. That's also really good. Which I didn't know as well. So... That one's pretty cool. Then we have Counter Terrorist God. Oh. This is maybe our most unique God now. We had to implement a new mechanic where... Uh, so on three of your five shop levels, you can choose between three pieces of equipment to add to your board. Okay? Okay. So this God has six pieces of equipment and throughout an entire game, you're choosing three. And... Yeah. They're little gadgets that are on your board that you can move around like your units. So like in a 1v1, this is why this god is like really good in a 1v1 because you can move your stuff around to try to mimic where your enemy is going to be. So trying to remember what all of them are. Riot Shield is one of them. You put it down and it goes off at the beginning. All of these go off at the beginning of the round. The Riot Shield goes off and you gain uh, damage reduction. 50% damage reduction for 5 seconds in an AoE. Mm -hmm. uh, smoke. It silences in an AoE. Incendiary Grenade deals damage over time and slows dramatically in a big area. Flashbang uh, causes mischance and also applies Shrapnel, which is an old-school Counter-Strike reference, by the way, which is kind of like a mini sticky napalm, so every instance of damage deals 15 extra, so damage over time, aka with Incendiary or Rot, for example, deals a lot of damage. Um, decoy Creates an illusion of the closest hero and then also taunts for a couple seconds. And HE Grenade is the final one. Anywhere you put it, 
the any hero that's hit at the beginning of the round gets bounced kind of like a flame break dealing a lot of damage so the cool thing about it is you can kind of synergize with your lineup with the skills that you have but you can also synergize with the other equipment so like he grenade these heroes into the silence or the flashbang right. or whatever so extremely unique god that's a very high skill but it's well. very cool i really like this god and then the final god cinderin for this patch was the winner of our cardsmith contest his name was dark rubik it is now ice rock family god <laughs> no that one didn't <laughs> that one didn't make the cut ice frog is the very rare in the new chest and he comes with two skills basically at the beginning of the game you choose a banned ability and you get that ability on a hero of your choice as a fifth skill but the ability only shows up when you buy it in the shop so it gets added to your pool only mm -hmm. and when you see it and you buy it then it goes on to the hero that you've selected. You also get it for free during three shop upgrades. So worst case scenario, let's say it never shows up. If level five shop, you'll have three levels of that ability as a fifth skill. Right. Very strong, depending on the pool of spells, obviously. You can have two ultimates on the same hero. My favorite you, god right now. So you pick any band ability. No, no, no. It, so at the beginning of the game, you get a random five band abilities that you can choose from. Okay, you can choose one of five. Okay. And you can re-roll it once to get another random okay. five. Okay. So, yeah, that is Ice Frog. He's very fun. Mm -hmm. And I'm really happy with the art. I don't know if you can see it, the first ability. Can you tell what that is? I made it in AI. Uh, it's, it's called something... Balance in All Things. It's, it's from Team Fortress 2, right? <laughs> It's uh, it's a mouse that's a yin and yang a and mouse? a keyboard in it. A mouse? Yeah. It has a little cord coming out from it in the top. It's an No, apple. that's not a cord. It's all, Apple, you said? Close. I don't know what it is. You're close. Think about what oh, the hero it's a mango. is. It's a mango. That's it's a sliced right. mango that's a yin and yang. That's yeah. right. I thought that all was right. genius. And that's it's the clever. AI that made it. It's very cool. <clears throat> so that's season five of Ability what's, Arena. So what's the, what's the dev spell? Uh, that's... That did I just... <clears throat> That's the one where you get the banned ability. We made it two abilities because one, you need to click on the hero to gain the ability. And the second one, I made it so we toggle it so you can choose the priority of where the spell actually is on your hero. Oh, okay. Because obviously we can't fit five spells on the UI in the bottom middle, right? Right. If you want Ravage first, you just put in the first slot. So... Okay. Uh, yeah, that's the update. I'm really happy with these gods. I think they're all really fun. So go check out... Ability Arena Season 5. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And then finally, we are ending with the thing that you've been talking about all day, Cinder, and it has been quote-unquote leaked, rumored, whatever the case may be. Counter-Strike 2 is apparently real and potentially coming out this fucking month. Source 2, Counter-Strike, lots to talk about. Obviously, I have been a Counter-Strike fanatic for a long time, although I haven't played a lot recently. I will mm -hmm. say I've been playing a little bit, though, because Valorant is getting on my nerves, I won't lie. <laughs> but remember the thing that I complained about the most with Counter-Strike? 64 tick servers. 64 tick. So I was thinking to myself, like, so that apparently is going to get added, 128 tick for all the servers. The other thing I complained about is that in order to play matchmaking, 
on a like what I would consider an acceptable level. You have to pay fucking money to ESEA or face it. No offense to them, of course, but that's ridiculous. That's part of the game. That will apparently be a part of the matchmaking, that you can actually have a good matchmaking experience. So I am extremely excited about Source 2 coming to Counter-Strike Center, and if this is actually real. What do you think? And the question is, Shannon, what's the name of the game? <laughs> yeah. That is, is it called Counter-Strike Neon Prime? <laughs> I mean, I'm so, only half-joking, actually. What do you mean, half-joking? It's not going to be called that, Neon Prime. Counter-Strike Neon Prime. You think Icerog would they... work on Counter-Strike? Come on. I mean, that's a good point, actually. It could be... Maybe not. It could be just Counter-Strike 2, which wouldn't really make sense because 1.6 into Source, into Go, into mm. 2, that doesn't really make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. That's true. And they can't use I, the I number think, 3, obviously. So I actually think Counter-Strike 2 is a really good title for the game just because it obviously, like you, like you said, we've already had CSGO and we've had Source or whatever, but... It kind of, it's like the start of a new paradigm when you make a second, right? So it's, if they call it Counter-Strike 2, that's a pretty big statement for the game itself. Does that make sense? Well, if they called it 3, it would also be a big statement. <laughs> I mean, that would be a very big statement. But <laughs> They could use um, 10. They could use the Xbox uh, fucking, all the names that they I use. Use think, Series X on top of it. I think that's part of the reason that uh, Blizzard got negative feedback on Overwatch 2 was that it didn't, it wasn't justified that it called it two, right? Because when there's a two, there's some mm. expectations that come with it of new content or yeah. something extra that isn't just Counter-Strike expansion pack, right? Effectively. So if they do call it Counter-Strike 2, I think it's a really good name, but I also think that name has expectations from the community of what Counter-Strike 2 would then be mm -hmm. um, in order to justify it. But if they do have enough in their pocket to call it Counter-Strike 2, I think that's really powerful I mean, marketing because would you... it's just... I it's think the new it, age of Counter Strike, then, right? If it's the if it's like the reborn update for Dota, then I think that's that's fine. Counter Strike Reborn. Yeah. Well, you could call it that as well. Yeah, I guess. If it was as big as Reborn was for Dota, they could call it Counter Strike Two. I would agree with that. I think that's I think so. That's reasonable. I was actually thinking about this a week before this was leaked or whatever. I was actually talking about it, not in public, but it's funny how these things work out like that. But. I was thinking more about like my complaints towards Counter-Strike. The, the 128 tick server thing, it still doesn't make sense because you could play 128 tick, tick servers in Source. You could mm -hmm. do it in Go as well. It's just you can't do it on the official matchmaking. That one never makes sense. I will never understand the decision. And then the other thing is when Valorant came out mm -hmm. and they have this buy system, which is a fucking dream. My God, it is so good. Like... You can ask people f to buy you something. It's all in the in the UI. You can sell your shit back. Like everything about it is just so streamlined and amazing. Mm. Like why didn't they just add this to Counter Strike eventually? Like it's been a year and a half, and I'm thinking more about it. Like does, maybe there is something to this Counter Strike Reborn or the whatever the Source Two version of this. Like if you're coming out with that, then you would want these big features as a part of that game to differentiate right. especially because mm -hmm. there's a big question on are they going to pull a counter-strike source where they have both games up and running still and then there might be a split community mm -hmm. so i think adding things like the buy system I, I would be shocked if they don't add that it's so good 
and then making 128 tick the big draw as well. I mean, you've already waited this long, you might as well not put it in fucking go and just put it into new counter strike. That makes sense. So it kind of aligns with like I can understand from some enough? perspective. Is no, that no, no. enough to call it counter strike two? Well, there's also the I should mention this, there's also the at the aspect of all the skins, will they translate over? Which I'd be shocked mm. if they don't, because that's a big economy. Yeah. <clears throat> but like, what, okay, just last thing, I, I, this is a long podcast, right? I'm just genuinely curious. What could you add to Counter-Strike to make Counter-Strike 2? Because I'm, like, I'm kind of drawing blanks. Yeah, you could make a new map, you could make new weapons, you could, you know, this or that, but is there like something... I think gameplay-wise, it doesn't need to have that much. It needs to have quality of life stuff, and you could add... I mean, you could literally add the arcade. They don't have anything like that in Counter-Strike. Wait, do they? Maybe they do. Uh, I don't know enough. Do people make a this. lot of custom games in Counter-Strike? I don't, I don't... I mean, there's like there's like the jump maps but and stuff, right? The thing about Maybe. this is it's an engine upgrade. Mm-hmm. That's why it, it doesn't need to have gameplay changes at all, in my opinion. Yeah, then my question is just if you call it Counter-Strike 2. That's what I was getting at, right? It's like, it, it's <laughs> mm-hmm. about meeting expectations for what a two is right dota 2 technically compared to dota i mean valve probably couldn't have called it dota right but um if you look at what dota 2 did compared to dota it's a pretty drastic change right sure, it's not going to be like that yeah the spells are similar right but um there's a lot of new stuff in dota 2 that dota didn't have and i'm just thinking so counter-strike 2 obviously doesn't need to differentiate as much from CS:GO as that um but you would at least like to have something that that feels like it's not just okay. We're just reskinning the game and optimizing it, and that's it. Like there's nothing else. That, I, then I, I will promise you <clears throat> that most Counter Strike players would not complain about that. I'd be really surprised mm. if they do. They've been wanting this for mm. so long. It became a meme because they didn't think it was going to happen, and now it looks like it quite possibly will happen. Right. So yeah, I'm, I, cu- I'm, curious. I'm fucking excited. I'm excited for the game because like. CS has been, like I said, has been growing, right? The numbers of it are really good. Their tournaments are doing really well. How often um, do you play? Do you so ever play? I play sometimes with my with real life friends, just some scuffed evening. All right, Center, here's the deal. <clears throat> I don't know if people would even want to watch me play Counter Strike, but I did buy my new computer last night. Mm-hmm. Finally. Right. Fucking nice. expensive as shit, by the way. Holy shit. It was expensive. Well, but it's going to be a beast. It should be here hopefully by the end of the week, if not by next week, and I will be able to actually stream FPS games. That's one of the big reasons I wanted one. Mm. And I've been one. I've been playing a little bit of Counter Strike lately because <clears throat> there's certain things about Valorant, like I said, that have really grinded my gears. Uh, for example, the pop flashing. I cannot stand that it's just so easy mm-hmm. to pop flash in Valorant. But something I forgot how much I missed was the AWP, the op, <clears throat> being able to, <clears throat> excuse me, the thing that I like to do, my whole, for people that don't know, in my heyday, I'm sorry, we're, we're going to end this podcast soon. <laughs> in my heyday, which I am proud of, even though it's a meme, I was an opper. I was known for opping. And the mm. way that I opt at the time was quite unique. Maybe unique is not the right word, but nowadays I don't know how, I mean, I guess, okay, forget I said unique. I would jump mm-hmm. around a lot and be very aggressive with the op. Like I was an right. offensive guy. I could not like I I talk about it all the time. It's just like hooking in Dota with Pudge. If they're standing still, I miss those shots somehow, but if they're flying through the fucking air, I hit it while I'm like crouch jumping or some shit. We had a name for that type of <clears throat> jump in Danish. 
where you would like jump out the door and then you would like slightly curve backwards midair, right? And then shoot? No, not that. That's um. Okay, oh, that jump would directly translate to shrimp jump in English. <laughs> that's what we called it. Yeah, what is what is that called? Uh, they do that in Valorant too. Just to, I can't remember. People are saying strafe jump. I don't think that's what it's called. Anyway, it's not the same thing, is it? Strafe jump is just you jumping sidewards. But this is where you're like jumping out and then you're pulling, like you're you're doing like a little curve, right? Yeah, you're yeah, pulling yeah. a bit backward, yeah. like a worm or shrimp, right? Yeah, I I I could never do that one. But anyway, the reason I miss it so much is because in Valorant, you can't hop jump. You can barely move with the op. Mm -hmm. Taking out the op is like, you need to get fucking late. I don't know. It takes forever. It's really mm -hmm. annoying. And then I go back to Counter-Strike. It feels like a fucking dream. Quick scoping. I miss it, man. I miss it. I mean, so we, we should can, play. We can play some Counter-Strike, but the problem that we'll always have when we're at home, right, is that the ping is just, it's not a good game for ping. True. Shooters generally aren't good for ping. Jiggle peeking. Yes, that's what ping. it's called. That's uh, what it's called in English. Peak. Jiggle peek. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've never heard that. I don't remember that um, being a part of like the actual shooting. Usually jiggle peeking is like you're trying to bait them into shooting while not being able to get hit, usually. Yeah, and then you shoot after with the op. That's how I remember it. It okay. was a common thing in CS 1.6 at least, but I don't know. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm curious if it comes out. We'll definitely play. Um, and it's a it's a great game to play if we're not on ping. So every time we're at an event, it's a good game to play together. Yeah, um, sounds you're good. You're obviously way better than I am. I am, I am not, not good at shooters. I'm not good anymore. I'll tell you that much. You're still you you at your worst is better than me at my best in CS:GO probably. So thank you, Cinderin. Um, I'm better at you than there's some. A, there's something. a pretty big skill gap. It's kind of like with me and you and Dota, but that doesn't mean we can't play together. It actually does mean that we can't play together anymore. <laughs> it's miserable. A to Z challenge, <laughs> the third attempt? No. Not going to happen. Uh, I mean, even with, with ping and all, I think people might like watching us play another game together. That would yeah. be fun either way. Fun. Uh, but let us know in the comments. Okay, that brings us to the end of this monstrous episode of We Say Things. We appreciate you guys as always. Hopefully you don't get too upset over the new update. Still some things to like. Uh, yeah. Until next time, next week, on my new computer, hopefully. Bye. We say things is out. Peace, guys. Peace. We say things that don't mean anything. Subscribe.